All right, you guys are live. Thank you. Good evening. Um, welcome to Alameda Planning Board meeting for Monday, February 13th, 2023. That's called a meeting in order. Um, Board Member Curtis, would you mind leading us in our Sure. Uh, President Ruiz? Aye. Board Member Aviza? Aye. Cisneros? Aye. Curtis? Aye. Sahaba? Aye. Teague? Aye. That motion carries six okay. or six votes. So let's move this up and um, we will put it under. Um, Alan, what do you propose that we put them under? Uh, it's on the regular agenda, right? 7 a Thank you. All right, moving on to consent calendar. It looks like the item is being tabled to the next meeting. Correct? That's correct. Okay. Now moving on to regular agenda. Excuse me, President Ruiz. Yes. Didn't we have public comments at some point? Let's see, did I skip one? Oral communications. Oh, yes, sorry. Apologies for skipping number five. Oral communications. Anyone may address the board on the topic, not on the agenda under this item by submitting speakers information slip subject to the three minute time limit. Um, do we have any speaker slip? Currently we have 54 participants and currently no one is raising their hands. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, so- Oh wait, sorry. Uh, Kelly Kisser just raised her hand. Kelly, please unmute yourself, please. Yes, thank you. Um, I just want to make sure I understand um, the consent calendar item. Is that the Bay 37 item? No, that is not. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on to regular agenda item. Um, first item would be approve, um, review and approval of draft meeting minutes for October 10th. Do we have any comments? Board comments? Public comments? We open it up for a public comment period, right? Right. I'm opening up for public comments area, um, public comments 
do uh, have currently no one is raising their hands okay i'm going to close the public comment session for the uh, approval of the october 10th 2022 agenda i mean meeting minutes um board member comments board member teague thank you president I, I brought this one forward because the item 7c of october is an item which is being referenced by our next item regular agenda item Mm -hmm. I wanted to clarify in there that the board made a motion to approve the item and it was uh, taken and the motion failed. That was the action that was taken by the board. Uh, there were multiple board members and you should read this section in terms of basically looking at the commercial use of the property and looking for uh, activity by bolting. So I don't have any other, I don't have any changes uh, to the minutes as they stand. So I would move approval. Do we have a second? I'll second. Ellen, would you mind roll call vote, please? Sure, President Ruiz. Aye. Board members Ariza. Aye. Cisneros. Aye. Curtis. I abstain. Saheba? Aye. And board member T. Aye. Uh, that motion passes with five ayes. Thank you. Now moving to regular agenda item 7A, that this is um, 2800 Fifth Street Master Plan Development Plan Amendment for Pulte Homes. Um, so staff, do you have a presentation? Uh, just one second, board member, uh, President Ruiz. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, with the minutes, um, was the earlier motion to move both of the minutes or just, no, just uh, the first eight, one? Eight, okay, thank you. Just the first one. Pardon that interruption. So, um, Henry Dong, our senior planner, will um, provide the staff report. Thank you. Um, good evening. President Ruiz, members of the board, Henry Dong with the Planning, Building, and Transportation uh, Department. Um, so this is a uh, master plan and development plan amendment for the Alameda Landing uh, Bay 37 uh, residential development. Um, I'm going to give a brief uh, presentation, and then we can uh, open it up for a discussion. Um, Bill Sadler uh, the, uh, with the applicant Pulte is with us today, as well as... Um, Um, their commercial real estate expert, um, um, so we received uh, about 34 uh, public comments for um, this project, and those um, comments have all been uh, forwarded to your inboxes um, or posted on the um, agenda. Um, and then at the request of the board um, staff and the applicant held uh, community meetings and received uh, feedback on the alternatives from the uh, Bay 37 residents. Um, there are some uh, members of that group that would like to give a presentation um, during the public comment um, section of this meeting. So um, in 2006, the city council <clears throat> approved uh, the Bay 
Port Alameda Landing Master Plan. And in 2017, the city council approved an, an amendment to the master plan to allow uh, residential development along the waterfront, provided that the development construct two uh, public amenities, which include a waterfront park along the shore, and then um, 5,000 square feet of commercial space to be used for uh, commercial retail or commercial recreation uses. So this is the subject site. It's approximately 5,000 square foot lot uh, located at the end of Fifth Street. Um, Pulte is requesting to amend the master plan to provide another alternative um, uh, among four that we they have proposed. Um, and this is due to concerns with um, the viability of commercial retail on, on the site. Um, um, and there's a possibility that the, the site, the building that's constructed, the commercial building would remain vacant for a long period of time. And so we've checked with uh, our economic development department as well as uh, some stakeholders at the Alameda Landing Shopping Center and found that there's about a 15, 20% vacancy rate at the shopping center. And having vacancy rate, vacancies at the shopping center just down the street doesn't bode well for a small commercial space that's out on its own on the waterfront. So just a um, recent timeline for this uh, amendment process. So in um, December, 2021, the board um, modified the timing requirement for the commercial um, building to design review to require that the building be issued, um, the building permit for the building be issued uh, prior to the 350th unit to provide Pulte with additional time to consider the design of the building or an alternative. Then in October of last year, the applicant requested the board consider an amendment for two single family dwellings and a, and a recreation hall. And the board um, did not pass that motion and requested that the applicant take a look at other alternatives and meet with the Bay 37 um, residents as well. Since then, the applicant and staff were able uh, to meet with the uh, community members and get their feedback. And Pulte was able to come up with four um, other alternative, four alternatives that they uh, are able to provide, including one that's recommended by the Bay 37, a majority of the Bay 37 uh, residents. But at the same time, um, Pulte's construction schedule has been um, continuing along and now they're down to their last uh, five buildings, which are left to construct. And so they will be hitting that 350th unit threshold um, that was set by the, um, by the conditions of the planning board. And so as we've been having these meetings with the planning board and with the community um, over the past year on this subject, construction schedule for the applicants has continued to move along and it's reaching to a point where we do need to make a decision. And so a master plan amendment can only be approved by the Alameda City Council. So staff, staff is recommending 
and alternative one, the recreation building option, the majority of the community members are recommending alternative two, which is the community park option. And so the request tonight is for the planning board to make a recommendation to the city council um, on what they would consider for the alternatives. I'll just go briefly over these alternatives. Um, the Pulte is proposing four alternatives that are each great options. Um, each addresses something that the city needs, whether it's affordable housing, community space, or a, a community open space. So the first option is um, the two affordable single family dwellings. These are moderate um, affordable units and the recreation building. Um, Staff is recommending this, this alternative based on past um, conversations from the board about the need for a community space and input from the Recreation and Parks Department that they could use a recreation building at this park. Um, this alternative would support the Waterford Park and, uh, with a building for the Recreation Department to operate out of and will become um, part of the city property. Um, and this is also a rare opportunity for the city to receive a turnkey building that's completely built by the applicant and um, with the current construction crew that's already on the site. The next alternative is the community park. Um, this is the uh, recommend, recommended alternative by the Bay, majority of the Bay 37 residents. Um, the park um, has pathways that go through the uh, site, as well as uh, trees and, um, and additional landscaping and a lawn turf area. So this is also a, another great option. And then uh, this is alternative three, you should say alternative three here, um, two low income affordable single family dwellings and a smaller community park. So this is uh, kind of a variation of the first two um, with the two single family low income this time, and then, um, and then a smaller community park with a pathway and trees. Um, and some of the community members like this as, as the second alternative. And then the last alternative, alternative four, this is a, uh, five low-income townhomes. Um, this is based off of um, the townhome design that's already within the site. And, um, and these will be low, low income. So um, I wanted to also note that um, as part of the recommendation from staff, we're also recommending a uh, condition that um, will require the timing of the alternative um, permits for the um, for construction to be complete and ready to issue by the 343rd residential uh, unit, or prior to the um, to the issuance of the um, the last building, and then the building permits shall be or the alternative shall be issued prior to the final inspection of the 350th unit or the last building. 
So I wanted to uh, highlight that as a new condition that we've added in there. So um, staff's recommending that the planning board approve the draft resolution that recommends that the city council approve the uh, proposed amendment to replace the 5,000 square foot of commercial um, space requirement with alternative one, which is the two moderate income single family detached units and a community building. So that feeds um, that's presentation. So we can hope to answer any questions. Thank you, Henry. Um, let's open up for board questions first. Um, and we will have a session for board comments. So this is just clarifying questions. Board member Teague. Uh, thank you for that, Henry. Uh, a question, when you say a majority of the residents, how many out of how many? I believe they, um, the uh, community members, when during their presentation, they'll cover that question, but um, well, I- It's in our staff report, so we should have a number, right? Um, as far as like the number of- Yeah, I mean, um, there's 300, how, what is the total number of homes being built on the property? Oh, Three, there's 357. 357. Right. So of the potential 357, how many are in favor of alternative two? Uh, in terms of emails, we have 20 to 30 different. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. So about 30 of, of the uh, commenters. Have so that would not be a majority of 300 units. There's right. not the majority of homeowners, but um, what, we're, what Henry is summarizing, what staff is summarizing here is based on our outreach and who we've talked to and who've engaged the city, the majority have expressed interest in, in the park option. Okay, so the people we've talked to, the majority, yes, but we have correct. not talked to the majority of the actual people that live there. Correct. They could have talked to us, but they haven't. Okay. Yes, uh, you're right. When you said there's 357, and can you go over again the timing that staff is suggesting. What it, explain what the current timing is, and then what the staff is suggesting. Okay, Let's see here. I think I might have a slide here. Let's see. If I could just jump in, I think the 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 proposal is as of today there are five more residential buildings for Pulte to build. Staff is setting the milestone where when you before you get to the before you pull a building permit to start construction on the second to the last building, the city wants Pulte to have already um, submitted for plan check, basically invested in the construction documents, cleared plan check and get that permit for, for the option at a ready to issue state. So basically okay. it's that project- I got that. Out, uh, what is the, the current requirement? Current requirement is the 343rd permit no, no the current re requirement is that um oh, the building permit for the commercial building be issued prior to the 350th um issuance of the 350th unit no no that's no that's suggestion. not what is the current requirement is this is the the pre the the current requirement right here so okay. it, Design oh, review plans reviewed and approved prior to the 150th. And we changed that 
in 2021. Yeah, so this was striked out. And then now it's 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 this one right here. Sorry, yeah. okay. three hundred thirty. So the building permit issued by the three hundred thirty. Yes, that's the currently what it is. And what staff is recommending is we change that to be ready to issue but not be issued. So you want it to be issued before the final inspection of the almost done. That's right. And that 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 gets in line with um, when Pulte will come in and remove the sales office that's currently on the site. Okay, so this is really to also give Pulte time to keep their sales office, though they could get a permit issued even with the sales office still there. Is that not true? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, issuing a like permit doesn't mean you constructed it. Sorry to interrupt. Um, for Member Teague, it appears that um, the applicant has his hand up. Um, Mr. Sadler, do, do you are you able to answer some of Board Member Teague's questions? Is that why you have your hands up? Yes, yes, it is. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I want to just uh, clarify one of the earlier comments. So the built out. Um, count is 357. Currently, there are approximately 120 residents that currently live on the, on the, uh, within Bay 37. Um, the remaining are still to be sold uh, and closed. I wanted to clarify that point. Um, yes, and, and cur yeah, cur currently, we, we anticipate pulling a building permit and then commencing construction upon removal of the temporary sales office, if that helps. Okay, so the existing conditions does not have permit final requirement of this building in terms of any timing. Is that right, Henry? All they have to do is have the permit issued, but there's no requirement that they have to have built it. Yes, that's correct. It, it just requires to issue it. Okay. So I, I'm just trying to really understand what we're being asked. Because it's, and that's what I was. I'll have a question for, is the applicant also going to give some short presentation or is this the time to ask the applicant a question? Yeah, um, they don't have a presentation plan. Okay, then I have a question for uh, Mr. Sadler. What has Pulte done since October to try to find a commercial retail tenant for a proposed building? Um, since we since we last met, we um, we followed the direction from the board. We um, reached out to the residents to provide um, some background and uh, more clarity as to where we currently stand. Um, uh, some of the reasoning for our recent proposal. Um, we also had the residents. I uh, also provided a um, internal survey of feedback from from residents within the community. We, uh, we reached out and engaged with a, um, an expert in the retail, um, the, the retail market. As I said previously, Pulte does not have any experience in that. I have uh, with me today, uh, Matthew Visick, um, who, who has you know, been of support for us as we try to navigate through, through the alternative options um, away from the retail option. And, and Matthew is here today. 
So Matthew is, uh, understands what it would take to make a retail option or is understanding what it is to do not to do a retail? Um, I let Mike Matthew uh, respond, but that would be great. Uh, he continue. He, you know, his position is as we have been informed um, pre initially that the retail is is not very viable in this location. But I'll, I'd like to turn this over to Matthew briefly, if you don't mind. Uh, that would be great if he can answer my question. Good evening, board members. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Thank you. Uh, so, what I'm about to tell you is. Uh, sort of generic feedback about smaller commercial spaces. <clears throat> to some degree, I can give you a, a more granular sense about how this applies in Alameda as well. But uh, I am a, an entitlement consultant throughout the Bay Area, and I work with a, a, a number of different entities that are bringing commercial projects to market. As everybody knows, the retail landscape and, and just sort of smaller commercial spaces landscape has been changing a lot over the last 10 to 15 years. I think we've all, uh, you know, you see a lot more Amazon packages on people's doorsteps and such. It's a, it's a, there was already a change underway that really accelerated quite a bit during COVID. At, you know, th this point, most retail uh, is really concentrated in places where you have high visibility and a fair amount of pedestrian traffic. There's also a push among retailers in an effort to bring more customers to brick and mortar locations. The push is towards an experiential notion of retail shopping, which is really to say, you know, something special that you get by going to a to an actual physical location, usually less, less stock on hand, more, uh, more pop and sizzle type stuff. It is very difficult to lease a small retail space like the one that we have here that is distant from the shopping center. That, that's really what this comes down to. You, you have really um, very yeah. little foot traffic and almost no visibility right. to those so, outside of the development itself. I, I totally appreciate the market, but since October, did we reach out to any retail commercial potential tenants or brokers to say, do you have anyone who would take this type of space? I've only worked with Pulte to try and understand how you would do that. And I've been pretty emphatic that, that this is a, um, Nearly even impossible. if we were able to find a tenant here, we would be looking at a very long vacancy period trying to find that tenant. And it would be difficult to find one that was financially viable where they could actually carry a lease for any length of time which would potentially leave a vacant storefront, which has all kinds of attendant problems that go along with that. So okay. I, I can't speak to outreach that I've done personally, but I can speak from my experience throughout the Bay Area. It's consistently, this this would be an exceedingly hard space to lease. Okay, I, I appreciate your your information on that. I The reason I'm asking is in October, we specifically asked for this uh, to be researched. And that's, it, it was, that's why I was asking these questions. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, that, those are my clarifying questions. Thank you, President Ruiz. Thank you, Board Member Teague. And thank you, Mr. Visick and Mr. Sadler for answering the questions. Please stay on for a little longer. Um, Board Member Sahaba. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and thanks for the options I've presented today. I just had a, had a few questions. One is, um, 
in alternative one with the rec recreation building, a portion of this development goes into the public park. And I guess I heard from you, Henry, that there were some discussions with the parks group about the, um, I guess, viability of a recreation building that they would maintain. Um, is this, is it these um, pieces of this building that go into um, over, let's say the property line into the park, uh, just that sort of corner clipping it and the main entry access, is that something that um, the park then takes control of um, because lots get merged or something, or how does this work? Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, if this alternative does go through, then um, part of that process would be to do a, a lot line adjustment to merge the the new recreation building into part of the, the park property. Okay, and then is there a revision that's happening with the park design specifically to um, facilitate the, uh, the, the frontage of this building towards the park? Because there's no elevation or anything offered from the park view vantage point. And the elevation that is on the screen right now looks like it's the front elevation of this building because there's a canopy over what looks like to be a door with two wall sconces on either side of it. But when you look at the plan, there's no access point. It looks like there's bathrooms actually up against that elevation that looks like a door with a canopy. So it's a little confusing. Is that a different, is, is, a, is the plan not correct or is the elevation not correct? Not sure which one to un, uh, sort of understand what's happening. Yeah, if um, if the um, council approves the master plan amendment and the um, the site plan, then the building itself would have to come back for um, actual design review. Um, okay, so right now all we're considering is the footprint of the building, not actually the layout or the way that it's accessed, because it's not clear from. The elevation that it matches the the plan. I see. Okay. But I, I do want to add, um, Board Member Sahaba, that uh, the Recreation and Parks Department um, had input into the design of the building, also the square footage, the size, think anticipating um, potential uses to the building, and um, what you consider the front of the building, which is facing the um, south. I mean, that was sort of identified as being necessary for uh like restrooms but like henry said you know the the building would require design review and um at your last meeting you've also provided um design the board has also provided design input on the building so that's going to have to come back um for the board if if like henry said the city council cho chooses this option to move forward okay yeah understood and then just on alternative two, the only the only clarifying question that I had was, um, is this is the same landscape architect who designed the park also uh, proposing this design? Uh, is are, are these is this a consistent uh, designer between these two? Or uh, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was the case or not. 
the um, bill. Do you, you know if you have that information? Yeah, I sure do. Yes, it's the same um, um, architect. And again, this is uh, a, a, his attempt at a, at a conceptual layout. Obviously, if this was selected, there would be quite a bit more um, study, probably input from the residents. And then, of course, we would um, go through planning approval. But yeah, the same landscape architect that's that's designing the, the rest of Bay 37 residential development. Okay, that's helpful. All right, those, those are all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Board Member Curtis. Uh, thanks, uh, President Ruiz. I have one question for Mr. Sadler. And my question is the units that face um, this parcel, are all the units sold? I'm, I'm sorry, one more time, sir. The units that face this parcel. Yes. In the, the north of the parcel, as the map is laid out, are those units sold? So the, the building to the north, uh, at the top of the screen here, is a uh, sevenplex uh, townhouse style condominium. Uh, they face the waterfront park and the estuary. The, um, the, the, the bottom of the building is the garage. Um, yes, and yes, they are sold. Okay, so if the bottom of the building is garage, the garage, then the view, the the view of, of what's being built is to the back of the building as opposed to out the front entrance of the building, right? That's correct for that building. Yes. How about the adjacent building? So the building to the left, or we'll call it to the west, is the same building just flipped. So the front doors are facing south, where you see the cursor. Um, they they. Um, they uh, face the, the the sidewalk along Mark Mariner. Um, to the north of that building is the garage. So you, it's barely, basically a flip from on the other side of that um, Sentinel Street. Okay, so the sense? street, the street, literally everything facing the street is the garage. That is correct. Perfect. Thank you very much. That's it. Board Member Reza. Thank you, Ms. Louise. Um, I'm wondering if there was any consideration given to um, an alternate mixing, alternate one and alternate two. So uh, the part of it being the park and the other part being the community center. Um, I think something kind of like what the alternative three is showing, but except instead of housing, um, it would have the recreation center um, I'm wondering if there was any uh, review of such alternate. No, there was not. Okay, I think that might be a good option since there is both um, a desire from the community to have a, a park, but also a desire from the larger community of Alameda to have a Recreation Center. Um, so I guess I would submit that as alternative five, maybe to consider. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Riza. Um, Board Member T, do you have any follow up question or is that a leftover? Um... Sorry, I didn't mean to last, but I just wanted to confirm. 
So the, the park itself is four and a half acres. Is that correct? The waterfront park, yes. Okay, so we have about 196,000 square feet of park already in this development. Okay, thanks. Um, thank you um, for all the clarifying questions as well as um, the presentation. I have a few questions. One, um, just to confirm, alternative, alternative number one is the same design and plan that was submitted back in October 10th. There has been no adjustment between that, the October 10th plan. Um, Bill, if you're speaking, you're on mute. Yeah, yeah that's no, correct. I was, I was just waiting for you to finish, but I was going to tell you, I would say that um, actually we did um, one of the um, items, um, the feedback that we'd gotten was that the uh, rec building height was um, taller and we were asked to look at reducing the height of the building. And we have done that. We've, we've taken the, um, the HVA system equipment that was previously located on the roof. It'll be located on the ground level, which reduced the building height. And I don't off the top of my head know, but we did study pulling that equipment off the roof to lower the height of the clubhouse, of the rec building. Got it, okay, thank you. And then um, Bill, stay on. And, um... So question number two is, do the residents know that when they purchase um, any home from Pulte that this lot is slated for um, a potential of you know, 5,000 square foot commercial building going on site? Are they informed of that? Yes, they were informed of that as well as uh, I think the communication would have been, that is the current requirement. However, Pulte is looking into alternatives. Thank you. And then also, um, this is a question for staff. And I, I know it was written in the staff report, but just want to confirm one more time that alternative number two, if, if the council decided to proceed with alternative number two of the open park, that will be maintained by the HOA and, and with public easement, allow public use and not be part of um, Alameda's uh, maintenance. That's correct. Yes, okay. the proposal would be this is a, uh, it's it's part of the private development to be maintained by the HOA. I mean, there's no shortage of public park space within walking distance of this development. So the city does not see the need to take on this extra burden. Understood. Thank you. Um, board member Cisneros, do you have a question or? Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think this was in the staff report, but um, how tall was the anticipated commercial realtor space? Like, um, I think I saw like floor to ceiling 12 feet. Um, uh, like, uh, I can't remember exactly, but like, was there any kind of um, uh, ideas or anticipation about the, the density of the commercial space? We didn't have um, very much details on it because it wasn't designed yet, um, but it's supposed to be 5,000 square feet. And the the parcel does allow up to five stories, but um, but that's that's probably not what's gonna be proposed. It's gonna yeah. be most likely a one story. There were specific restrictions in terms of the height of the first floor. Uh, 
I don't remember what they were. Henry, if you could dig those up, that would help board members and snarls. Oh, right. Yeah. It's uh, the minimum 12 foot, 12 foot clearance on the ground floor ceiling typically, height. Yeah. Typically 12 to 15. That's the amount of um, uh, ceiling height that's necessary for a viable retail space. So typically, if there's any city requirement for ground floor retail, um, it would come with that minimum ceiling height requirement between 12 to 15. And that's just interior height. That's helpful. Thank you. Okay. Um, do we have any further clarifying questions from the board? Seeing none. Um, now that's open for public comments. Um, just want to let everyone know we currently have about 64 attendees. And if everyone speak, we will be here over three hours. So just want to be mindful of time. So if you do wish to speak, please raise your hand now, raise your hand now so we can properly allocate time. Let's give everyone a few minutes. Board memory, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Can, can I, um, I wonder if it's possible to suggest if, um, if, if the comment is similar from the previous speaker, if a, the subsequent public speaker could say, you know, I agree or plus one or something to that effect to help ex expedite the process. Thank you for the suggestion. Okay, so um, I, it looks like we have, I think we can still keep the three limit, three minute time limit. Um, and let the record show that board member Hom has joined us. Sorry for being late, everyone. Ran into some car problems. Hope you're okay. Glad you can join us. So with that yes. said, that's open up for um, public comments. All right, the first speaker will be Chris Floyd. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Um, my good evening, members of the board. Um, Henry, is it also possible to share my video or no? Chris, you have three minutes, so I... Um, okay. Yeah, so um, we're gonna call the we're gonna restart the clock one more time for you. I just want one clarification: um, we were told that a couple of members of the community would um, yield time to me and my neighbor Marnie to speak on their behalf. So I'd like to request if we could have six minutes for our presentation, if that's possible. Okay, we, we will grant you six minutes. Excellent. So let me begin. Good evening, members of the board. Can you hang on a second, um, um, Artie? Would you mind calling? Um, um, Call up the time clock for six minutes. Copy, it's six minutes now. Yeah, that's it. Excellent. It's not, it's not showing up on the screen. I'm waiting for him to speak first. Oh, okay, go ahead, Chris. Good evening, members of the board. As I said, my name is Chris Lloyd and I'm a resident of Bay 37 here in Alameda, California. I'm joined this evening by my neighbor, Marnie Roosevelt, and we're here to present the recommendations on behalf of the Bay 37 community about what's going to take the place of the space that's currently occupied by the Pulte Sales Center. I'd like to briefly give an overview of who the Bay 37 community is, why we support a green space, and why we don't support Alternative 1 that's being 
put forward by the planning staff. Next slide. So hopefully this image looks very familiar to you. When you drive up north on 5th Street and past the Target, this is the expansive view that you see of the newly opened Bahol Circle Immigrant Park, as well as the estuary and the beautiful downtown Oakland. Um, and so we just wanted to give this picture of what space we're actually talking about here. Next slide. So who is the Bay 37 community? We know you've been getting a lot of emails from us over the last week, last couple of months, really. Uh, next bullet. So hundreds of residents have moved into Bay 37 since 2021. Next bullet. And our community, as you can tell from our emails, we're civically minded, we're diverse, with both new and longtime residents of Alameda. And as I mentioned in my email to many of you today, we're diverse in terms of race, age, religion, background, and it's been so inspiring for this diverse community to come together for the purpose of actually building and organizing our community and wanting to shape the new neighborhood that all of us live in. Next slide. So now I'll pass it over to Marnie to talk about why we think a green space is so important. Can we unmute, unmute Marnie? Artie, we need to promote Marnie first. Uh, promote to panelists or just allow to talk? I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, promote them to be a panelist or just allow them to talk? Just allow her to talk. Marnie, please unmute yourself. Maybe restart yeah. the clock a little bit. Yeah. The clock is paused at 4.05 right now. Thank you. At our last meeting, the planning board asked for more input from the Bay 37 community. Subsequently, we put together a survey and reviewed multiple responses. You have all received copies of the surveys. The overwhelming response was for additional green space. There are multiple reasons why it's important to enlarge the current amount of green space. This decision that you make is a great opportunity for the city of Alameda to confirm its commitments to its citizens. We've all come out of such a hard time that has created isolation and mental health issues for many people. The Fifth Street entrance is a beautiful vista to the estuary. Walking, biking, or driving down Fifth is like taking a, a breath, a deep breath of fresh air and relaxing. Every other plan will reduce this spectacular vista. Next slide, please. I have the pleasure of watching how people use the park. It's absolutely wonderful to see multi-generational families come and go at all hours of the day. There are wonderful amenities at the park and yet a lot of concrete. That's great for many activities, but there is still a lack of green space. The photo on this slide shows the only grass that's in the park. Barks and, bark and plants are, are nice landscaping, but families want the ability to picnic, play games, and spend time on softscape or real grass. And I'm gonna pass it back to Chris now. 
So there are a number of reasons, aside from wanting a green space, while we don't think the community center um, or additional housing is the right option for this space. If you go to the next slide. So it's important to say um, we love community centers generally, but we don't think this location is ideal. Next point. So one is maintenance. Um, we know that maintaining a community center will require upkeep and enforcement, which can be costly. In our conversations with the city council over the last couple of months, we know that funding has not yet been secured. Next point. Next is the location. If any of you came to the opening of Bahol Immigrants, uh, Bahol Circle Immigrant Park, you or come any weekend, you know that there's a severe lack of parking, and we worry that adding this additional community center will add to the congestion of the area. Next point. Next is safety concerns. We fear that if the community center is not maintained, it'll be a magnet for criminal activity. When I moved to Bay 37 last year, my neighbor's home was broken into because criminals thought that it was unoccupied and we worry about more types of situations like that. Next slide. And finally, the lost view. I think in all of the Bay 37 promotional plans, they've always included an expansive view of the estuary. And we think narrowing that space to that first image that I showed you is not great urban design. Next slide. On the additional housing, I should say that many of us support the goal of more low and moderate income housing. We know there's a high housing crisis in California and across the country, but next point. But we, we also know that there are also 100 plus unsold units. Prices have been going down over the last year due to economic conditions. And we think Pulte has an opportunity to convert some of the existing unsold and unbuilt housing to more low and moderate income housing versus building in this space. Next point. In addition, we think cramming more homes into this lot will make the area too dense. A number of the planning board members made this point when we met with you in November. And we don't like the optics of stuffing all of the low and moderate income housing in this one spot versus integrating them throughout the community. Next point. And finally, um, we think it reduces existing green space. We know what I just heard one of the board members say there's four and a half acres of park in this area. Most of it is mulch and concrete. I know because I walk my dog on that area every single day. We love more spaces for kids to run and play similar to the picture that Marnie showed. Next slide. And finally, I just want to take this opportunity to thank the board for actually giving us time to present. When we came to you in November, we couldn't get anyone from the planning staff or Pulte to return our calls or emails, but because of you, they've actively engaged with us over the last couple of months. And we hope that you'll seriously consider our proposal that's united our entire community and many across Alameda to build a green space in this spot. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Um, next speaker, please. Um, the next speaker will be Kelly Kistner. They might have dropped off. Uh, let's try Allison Clayton. Or no, Hi, no Kelly's back. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Allison, Thanks. go ahead. Um, can you hang on a second? Um, RD, do you have the clock ready for three minutes? Yes, I do. Okay, go ahead, Allison. Great, thank you so much. Um, hi, I'm Allison. I live at 2855 Fifth Street, and I am in one of the units that would be impacted in terms of uh, the view being blocked by a new community center. 
I think, you know, as we closed in September, in my case, um, we were informed of the sales office being replaced by um, potentially a commercial space. However, the, you know, space that is currently occupied by the sales office is in a much smaller sort of blueprint than the new proposal. And so the view, even at a lower elevation than sort of the full townhomes would still block my view by, we estimated 25 to 30%. And when we paid $90,000 for a lot premium for that view, it, you know, does significantly impact that investment and return on investment in the future. Um, we really believe in sort of the community that's come together um, and are very excited about the park there, um, but don't necessarily see the need to block that view. And I also would like to point out, you know, the park that is there has really amazing community spaces. There's so many picnic tables and, you know, can still be used to bring the community together. Um, I am an Alameda native. I grew up going to ARPD camps and they're some of my favorite memories, but I really enjoyed being outside. And I still think um, some of that outdoor space and the picnic tables outside present a lot of that sort of community gathering opportunities. And that is all. Thank you. Um, move on to the next speaker, Steve Chu. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, we live at 637 Martin Mariner, which is directly adjacent to the sales office. So we are in the unit that sees over that looks over the sales office into the park area. We are also, you know, we, we purchased this lot also before that view that was going out of our window looking over the sales office. So the addition of two, three-story homes would completely 100% block the view that we paid an $120,000 premium to be able to see. So I feel like that is, it is true that when we purchased the home, they said there might be, there would be a commercial um, something built there, but it was more marketed as like, oh, you know, it might be like a coffee shop or like something, not something that would be three stories tall and block the entirety of the view that we, that we purchased. Additionally, also just a super second, Chris's the great presentation from the community um, that we do feel like even though the park space is expansive, there is a, there's essentially very, very little green um, grass space that is important to um, the use of the park in ways that is not currently utilized. Um, we see on the weekend, there's loads of children playing, um, all the picnic tables are filled and people are taking great use of the park. So we also feel that an additional green space with grass um, for the community is the best option forward. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Um, Mr. I mean, sorry, next speakers, please. Our next speaker is Yael Hera VR. Hi, my name's Yael. Um, I also live at the building facing the sales center. Um, first, thank you for um, taking my or taking this time. Um, so a couple things. One, um, I appreciate Diana for your idea of the park and rec center. Um, I just want my voice out there. I think that that was a great idea. Some things that haven't been brought up though is um, the parking, which we had 
as a community brought up as an issue at our last meeting. And I haven't heard that be addressed. So I don't know if it has been. I know the city has, you know, a goal of becoming more um, bike friendly, which is great, except for from my observations and also attendance of the park, it's mostly been families with young children. Um, I have a young child myself. And although I can walk to the park um, for families who are visiting, especially those with more than one child, biking there just seems unfeasible for a lot of um, families. Um, in addition, if we're going to do a community center, which hopefully would also host, you know, events for seniors, I'm also seeing transportation as an issue um, for seniors as well. So um, while bar biking is great, I honestly don't see a whole lot of bikers attend there currently. And I feel like making a space without more parking kind of is ignoring some of the um, uh, uses that we're trying to get out of the space and that be a family space and a space for um, our aging population as well. So that's just something that I haven't heard of from anyone and I wanted to bring back up again. Um, also as a BMR member, so below market rate, um, myself or in one of the moderate income housing, um, it has been an issue in terms of our HOA going up a lot. And my fear is that if we do more low, especially low income, that we'll just end up having people who come in and then the HOA goes up and then have to be displaced. This is something I've heard multiple times from other BMR members as well um, as a concern that when we first purchase the house, everything is fine. Um, everything gets approved, but that HOA has really been an issue um, that's been going up a lot. Um, those concludes my, my main point. So thank you for taking my time. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Next speaker will be Steph Bradshaw. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Terrific. Uh, thank you to all of the board members for listening uh, to our community. Uh, my name is Stephanie Bradshaw. I live on one of the in one of the homes on Martin Mariner. Um, and I've been a member of the Bay 37 community for just under three months. Um, so the survey that our community did was done right before I moved in. And yet uh, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that has been presented um, here and, and for the wonderful work that Chris and Marnie are doing. Um, I was going to raise the issue about views because I think it is critical. Um, I think the, the, the board needs to understand um, the number of units that will be impacted uh, if there is particularly three-story um, homes that, that go up in this space. But I, I wanted to make sure that the board also understood that these, these folks with views didn't luck into um, these homes. Uh, they paid a lot premium. And we have heard that the lot premiums have gone all the way up to $180,000. And so I, uh, for one, appreciate Mr. Sadler's uh, representation about what potential buyers and then um, homeowners were advised. But um, I can tell you that our working group on this issue have been told by several individuals um, that they were not so advised that a commercial space was contemplated. And uh, it, I'm, I'm certain that nobody has been advised that there is a potential for two um, to five three-story units are going there. But um, I think it is just, I think it is heartbreaking 
that folks that invested six figures um, for a very specific view uh, will now just months later lose that view at all or some of it. Um, so with that, uh, I, I will finish, but I just did want to thank you again um, for, for involving us in this process. That's all. Thank you. Next speaker, please. The next speaker will be Jill Benson. Okay, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Hi again, neighbors, planning staff, and uh, the Honorable Planning Board. I appreciate so much. Thank you in advance for your consideration of our recommendation. We are in agreement. We are a majority, and uh, it has really brought us together. We feel very blessed about that. I want to reiterate something that was touched upon on one of our last meetings, and um, the need for disabled parking and a drop-off zone specifically for the elderly and the children um, doesn't mean that we don't support the city's desire to uh, go to fewer cars or public transportation or biking, modes of transportation of that sort. We are in favor of that, but we live here and so we see the reality of what happens at that um, red spot there at the roundabout. We're families are parked for uh, extended periods of time, unloading or getting the walkers out or what have you. So I really want the board to consider that in this, in this thought process. Um, in addition uh, to Stephanie's comments, uh, yes, the lot premium ranges so widely, um, 90 to 180, depending on where you are. But it's not just for those people that work so hard to be able to pay for those views, but it's also the community at large, the public. When they drive down Fifth Street as an access, uh, Marnie mentioned it, the, the view to the estuary will be substantially uh, limited and ruined, I think, by having more density and more structures right there at the entrance to that beautiful estuary. Really the only park, whether it's concrete or softscape, that uh, entrance is really the only entrance to the estuary with the dock uh, in on the island. So I, uh, I request you really consider that too. It's not just about uh, views for those uh, people who paid for them. Uh, but thank you for your attendance here and, and listening to our recommendations and um, uh, I cede the rest of my uh, 38 seconds to the next speaker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, next speaker, please. The next speaker will be Sherry de Guzman. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank you so much for um, giving me this time. I would like to just do a few plus one um, uh, emphasis on on some of the comments that have already been said in terms of responding to the comment around the large amount of park square footage that it is, um, you know, just plus oneing on the fact that most of it is concrete, which is great for the you know children that are using it for biking and rollerblading and skateboarding around that area. But to the earlier images and points, there's such limited grassy area that kids can't really you know, do any kind of soccer play. And 
what has been nice is with even with that limited amount of space, we do see people using it. So there is a desire for it. Um, you know, like kids playing soccer, someone was doing a magic show for their for their birthday the other day. And every weekend, you know, the the areas, the picnic areas and the areas around the um around the playground are prime space for birthdays. And so every weekend, if it, as long as it's not raining, there is a birthday there. And so people are using the park. And so to focus on the alternative to where we're having a neighborhood park with additional public access easement, I think would be a great enhancement to the existing park. And I remember something that was mentioned in the earlier board meeting around having just an architectural visual um, for that entrance was lacking. And I think that the opportunity of using that park space to add a little bit of, of an additional green area and public park, um, public art area, I think is where there's a great opportunity there. And that hasn't been mentioned yet. Um, and then the only other thing I would like to plus one on is the fact um, that has been mentioned on the parking spot usage. And now that the park is in use, I would encourage the board members to consider how it was planned versus how people are actually using the park. And to, as to someone's earlier point, they are using that roundabout space as a loading and unloading area. And then when the park is full, people just park there. Like they just, whether or not they're not, it's a red zone or not, people are, are parking in that circle. And so we have to go around the other side of the circle in order to access um, our streets. So with that, I'll yield my time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, next speaker, please. The next speaker will be Kelly Kistern. Hi there, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, so my name is Kelly Kistner, and I actually live immediately in front of the area that is currently the sales office. So that uh, northern building um, that I think, uh, Mr. Curtis, you uh, asked a great question about, and I just wanted to correct the perception there um, in the response that you got. So it is true that my garage faces the back of the sales office right now, but our, our homes are three stories. And so I have four rooms where the only view out the window is overlooking that area. So if we're to build three-story um, homes behind, uh, it not only obstructs any kind of view, but it actually will kill all of the natural light that comes into my southern facing windows of my home. And that's one of the most important aspects of a peaceful and happy home for me. So I hope that uh, we will not end up blocking uh, that light. But even more important than that is the impact to our community. Um, we're a walking and biking community, and the park is perfect for that today in many ways. Unfortunately, as you've already heard, there's a serious problem with illegally parked cars and blocking fire lanes. And I will just elaborate to say that I've actually been out there taking pictures the last few weekends, and there are anywhere from three to five cars illegally parked at one time, people are having to drive the wrong way down the um, roundabout, which could lead to a collision. And when our fire lanes are blocked, we're putting our residents at risk. We have multi-unit residential buildings and if the fire trucks can't get where they need to go, we're talking about lives. So not to be dramatic, but there are fire lanes for a reason. So um, I think that's important. And I would just reiterate that if we put a community center in, 
um, that will be available for parties and meetings and, and children's camps and other things. It's all wonderful, but it brings incrementally more vehicles to an area that is already you know, it has virtually no parking by design. We have four other community centers that I am sure are underutilized. I have seen them myself many times. They all have large parking lots. So I would love to see ARPD make more use of the existing um, community centers. And then the last thing I would just say is that, you know, we will continue as a city to build more densely in an effort to provide affordable housing for families. And as we do that, providing all of our families with green space becomes that much more critical. We don't want to become a city of, you know, three-story structures all around. We need some good green space. It can't just be concrete and, and buildings. And right now we've got a whole lot of concrete and really not a lot of green space here at all. So um, really appreciate your consideration. I, I don't think buildings are the answer. I think green space is the answer. It's doing right by the many homeowners who paid premiums only a year or so ago. It benefits the entire Alameda community. It's less expensive for the city to maintain. In fact, if you know, it's going to be an HOA expense if, if we get to do the green space and it attracts substantially fewer cars to the area. So I really appreciate your consideration and all that you've done to um, create this venue for us to be heard. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next, next speaker, please. Next speaker will be Scott Roden. They just okay, uh, Francisco Sprouse then. Uh, hello, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, as a resident of Bay 37 and someone who grew up in Alameda, uh, I'm quite strongly against adding additional parking. Each unit in the development already contains a two car garage. And on top of that, there are, there are already around 30 additional on-street parking spots in the community. Directly to our south is Alameda Landing Shopping Center, which is a massive parking lot. Directly to our east is a yacht storage building, followed immediately by a mid-sized parking lot. If you continue walking along the water to the east, you will find numerous parking lots, many of which are perpetually over half empty. Um, in response to my fellow uh, community members, adding a few additional parking spots will not prevent illegal car parking, and I think that would need to be solved in a different manner. In 2021, the city passed an ordinance placing parking maximums on new developments. It is clear from the public comment that it is primarily Bay 37 residents who want more parking. Um, and to be honest, they are probably the ones who will use it. Uh, I think it is inappropriate for the planning board to circumvent uh, the parking maximum ordinance by adding additional parking through a public easement. Um, and frankly, increasing parking next to a children's playground, further exposing them to pollutants perfectly encapsulates what is wrong with current city designs. Um, that is all, thank you. Thank you. Um, next speaker. All right, we'll try that again. Uh, next speaker will be Scott Roden. And they just lowered their hand again. Okay. Um, Looks like we have, um, if anyone still want to speak, this is your last chance. Um, I think Kelly Kistner already spoke, so we cannot um, promote her again. Um, Scott Roden. Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi, I'm a, a Bay 37 resident. 
uh, here at Alameda Landing. And I'm just going to be very brief. Uh, I totally agree with the presentation by uh, residents here. And like I, I have two dogs and currently right now, there's not a lot of green space for me to take my dogs to walk around and, and enjoy the park. Um, so having a park is, would be a, a really beautiful addition to the community. So thank you all for your time. Thank you. Uh, with that said, that concludes the public comments section. And now I'm gonna open up for board comments. Um, board member T. Thank you, President Ruiz. Uh, I'd like to thank all of the members of the public who have spoken on this. Uh, I've read through your emails. Um, I was involved in 2017 um, when this came about, this whole project to convert a very large commercial development project into residential. And the 5,000 square foot of commercial was all that was left uh, of that conversion was intended to provide retail commercial support for the community. Um, I am personally very disappointed in Pulte. Uh, they signed up for this and uh, the planning for it seems to be, uh, if we wait long enough, then we won't need to do it. Um, I can understand from their uh, expert that it is not a viable thing. So they are asking us for two changes. They're asking us for two favors. One, change the commercial development building so they don't have to build that building. And two, allow them to delay how long they have to do it, uh, as well as keeping their um, sales office there for longer. Uh, it's They're asking us to give them something. And I believe that we should be sending something to the city council. I read through the different options and what staff is doing. Uh, and I agree with their assessment in terms of alternative one. Uh, except I, I believe that we need low, very low income housing. That is the area where we are really short. So I would be supportive of doing two very low income homes, whether it's a paired single family home, uh, which is similar to a duplex or two single homes. Uh, they don't need to be as large as the the two that are there in terms of the being the 1100 to 1900 square foot size um, would be sufficient and the community center which Alameda parks would be targeting to support the local neighborhood more than the general Alameda area, in which case the, the idea of parking, people should be hopefully walking or biking to it from the neighborhood. And that is the area, that is the alternative that I think uh, we should be sending to the city council for consideration. I look forward to hearing what our, our fellow board members say. Thank you. Thank you. Um, board member Curtis. 
Thank you, President Reed. I um, I originally have been reviewing the presentation, and I'm sorry that I wasn't here on the on the tenth. But in reviewing the presentation, um, I was inclined to go for alternative number three, um, which which really cut the baby in half. It had the two units on one side and had the the park on the other side, which which um, which gave you the best of all worlds without the community center, because I agree with a lot of the comments that the community center, unless it's utilized, um, is, is going to be is going to be a problem. And um, then then I listened to um, board member Arise, who Arisa, who came up with the idea, well, maybe we should, instead of having the units, we should have the community center and and a park. My concern is the fact that, and, and, and having been in the business, sometimes things are represented different from the way that they outcome or presented differently. And when people put out the money that they put out for the premium for the view, based upon a, a, a lower building, and then you put up three-story buildings in front of that, uh, really what you've done is you've eroded that investment. I agree with that. And I think that, that one way or the other, we should, if we're going to, in, in going with, with um, board member T, if we're going to put up the units, then they should be smaller and lower units. And I think that half of the, the parcel should still have a park so that the people who paid for the views have the views, but we still have the utility of having functional buildings there that will, will pretty much complete the mission that the city had and what Pulte really wanted to do with that land. Um, I, I believe that that a commercial building is not going to be feasible, and I agree with their consultant. But I also believe that going up higher than a story and a half or two stories uh, really borders on misrepresentation from the developer in terms of what the people paid for for what they've got. So just just to summarize, um, uh, alternative three is what I would have voted for coming into this meeting. A modified alternative three with a rec center and no buildings, um, I thought was a great suggestion. And board member Tig's recommendation of having smaller, lower buildings and no rec center um, is another good record. But certainly preserve the views for those people because they paid for them. And it's not fair for them to lose their investment because um, the, the market changed. Thank you. Thank you. Board Member Sahaba. Yeah, thank you. Um, I appreciate all the public comments and um, I'm glad that actually there were a few alternatives that were brought in front of us and investigated. I do agree when we look back in time and think of the master plan, the idea of the terminus of this road, having activity, being the park as the prime anchor of the terminus and then a spin-off being uh, some some type of commercial space was was original design uh, of course now you know through investigation viability of such a commercial space doesn't seem that likely and in my mind this site was all, always meant to be community centric uh, for for the homeowners and so uh, whether whether it was 
you know, something community serving as far as a retail space or um, a park, which has also been um, proposed uh, and listening to the community and listening to the homeowners who are currently there, of course, uh, I would be in support of alternative two. I think it provides an opportunity for most of the density in this master plan is on the Western portion of the site. And so expanding the park towards that side and making that, which I know is not the final design, it'll be continue to be refined as far as what's been proposed as a park extension, uh, more of a gateway for that community that lives towards the Western portion, again, where most of the density resides in this master plan, I think could have some, some benefits. So uh, I would, I'd be in favor for what the community is um, current or the, the members of the community that have spoken up and have um, uh, brought their comment forward towards uh, alternative two. So thank you. Thank you. Um, board member Ham. Yes, thank you very much. Um, sorry I was late, and, but I uh, read the staff report and I think I heard all the public comments. Uh, unfortunately, I missed some of the board questions, uh, but it sounds like maybe some of the thoughts were brought up the same ones that I thought of. Um, I was uh, involved, maybe not the, the very beginning of discussion of this project, but at the, the fairly, fairly up at the beginning of the discussion when this five acre um, or 5,000 square foot parcel was discussed for retail. Back then, I always felt it was kind of a lost leader and that retail would be challenging at that location. Um, so I think the focus from my mind was always to think about it as a community space, kind of like uh, a board member Sahiba was speaking about it. Um, if it's not a retail space, then it'd be a community space. Or, or a space where there could be some activity, uh, and, you know, at best, probably a coffee shop, but uh, that may not pan out. Um, I like the suggestion of, I mean, one of the alternatives when I looked through was, why is there not an alternative for a community center and a park? That to me, quite honestly, makes the most sense as far as activating the space at the terminus and uh, having some enclosed space for activity that kind of provides a focus for the shoreline park location, and then having some additional greenery would, to me, serve as a community space. I do hear what the residents are saying about parking that was brought up last time, and I do support uh, staff's feeling is that, you know, we really don't want to maximize parking. We want to encourage biking and walking to the community center. So I understand the concern about parking, but you know, if I really were balancing what I think would be ideal for the space, as far as community serving, it would be a combination community center and some green space. Um, but at the same time, I do hear the residents' concern about uh, it needing to be a community space. So my second option would be uh, option number two, to have it as 100% a uh, uh, park with, you know, at, that allows for some lawn and things like that. Earlier on, when uh, the proposal previously came in to add some residential units, my feeling was the only way I could support residential units, if it were low, very low income, um, because uh, they, I think, at that time, they were proposing moderate units. And I didn't think that was appropriate, uh, given that it's kind of a part, part so that's kind of like a loss leader. Um, 
my concern about having different units serve it's extremely low, even though one-story units to preserve the views, is that in affordable housing development, you know, the whole goal is always to have affordable units blend in with the rest of the development. But there's not a stigma for the families that are living in a project that they're living in these affordable units. And I, I'm just concerned that those homeowners would have that stigma of having living in a unit that doesn't match or compared to any of the other three-story units. So while I like that alternative, I'm not sure from a social standpoint, that should be the goal for affordable housing. Um, so if I, my first preference would be a combination community center and park. And then my second choice would be for a, uh, a neighborhood park. So that's kind of where I stand on this. And it's really all based on ensuring the space will be 100% available for a community purpose. Thank you. Thank you, board member Hom. Um, board member Ariza. Oh, actually, um, board member, Ta I mean, um, Alan, if you want to make a comment? Yes, I, I just uh, wanted to respond to uh, board member Hom's uh, question about this. Um, Kind of the perception of having a slightly different unit type that's assigned to affordable housing. Um, actually, during our community meeting with the Bay 37 residents, um, somebody has suggested that um, maybe the housing units on this parcel could be regular market rate and they could be single family detached. And instead, Pulte could assign two other units um, elsewhere in the development to, to become um, the BMR units. So that, that is an option the board can also consider. Okay, thank you, Alan. Actually, if I could ask you a question, Alan, um, if this is, if alternative to, or if any portion of the park is implemented on this site, is it would it be maintained by the Homeowners Association or the city? It would be maintained by the HOA. That would be the yeah. city's proposal, okay. yeah. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Thank you. Um, board member Ariza. Thank you, everyone, for your comments. Um, I I think my my favorite would be to see. I I wasn't involved in the original plan, but I can see why a, a, a commercial space was called for because I think um, something like a cafe is a a great opportunity for community gathering, and it's a great location for that. Um, I. I I understand the concern that right now there's a lot of empty spaces, but, and that most of the commercial uh, tenants might wanna be where there's high traffic, but I know there are cafes that are in places where um, there's not a lot of high traffic that um, people know where they are because they're by the water and they wanna go there. And I think that's the case for these locations. So. I guess ideally I would want to see some park and maybe a smaller commercial tenant or a com commercial space that maybe the city can partner with a private um, um, entity and somehow that works out. But if not that, then I understand the community wants green space and I agree that that's a great option. But I also understand that having uh, kind of like an enclosed space where there can be community gatherings, it's also a great idea. And if it's next to a park, then even better. 
um, I think as far as the moderate or low income housing, there's a lot of empty housing that it has not been sold that could be repurposed for that. I don't know that adding more units would really be, has to be necessarily the only solution. Um, so yeah, I think that's my, my vote. Thank you, board member Ariza. Um, board member Cisneros, do you have any comments? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, um, I, I think I'm like uh, similarly um, the same, uh, having the same perspective that board member Curtis, where I came in um, leaning more towards alternative number three. I appreciate um, the points of, uh, the the vacant housing units currently. Um, I like the idea of having this potentially being marker rate and incorporating the 80% AMI units elsewhere so it's more fully integrated. Um, I also appreciate board member Teague's um, suggestion of lowering the height perhaps because I do think it's um, a fair point, like board member Curtis said, of like having some expectations when you come into this community and then um, it changing a bit. So, um, you know, that's my thinking around alternative number three, um, uh, maybe like lower height. And also um, if we were to go to the residential route, less parking. Um, I appreciate the public comment about us being committed um, as a city um, to our maximum and, um, you know, being intentional about that. So if we could bring it from two parking spaces to one unit, um, one parking space, I'd appreciate that. Um, but I could be convinced <laughs> otherwise. I also, I, I'm, I, I am a little concerned again about, um, the uh, activating of the community space. Um, but I like that um, elegant compromise, I guess, of having a park and a community space. Cause I think that's like the, the principle that we're trying to have in this area is like, how do we activate this for the community that's evolving here? So I think I'm on two minds right now, alternative three or um, park and community space. Thank you um, board members for all your comments. And um, uh, Alan, would you mind explaining to everyone the economics behind the community building? Because uh, you know, you and I, we discussed earlier today about who's gonna build that and how um, Pulte can potentially um, subsidize, uh, you know, building a community building for the city. Yeah, so um, I'll just briefly um, summarize what, what I know. So the, the vision from the city's point of view is originally the master plan for Alameda Landing Waterfront is um, an employment land. This is an office park, but realizing that that vision is likely not going to pan out because of the the decline of the office market um, there was a request to convert the site to residential and as part of allowing the site to convert from employment jobs 
space to residential, um, the city decided that, hey, there's we should reserve a pad, a commercial pad that could potentially be used for either waterfront serving um, uses or some commercial. Um, and then as we've discussed today that we've, you know, that, that we don't believe a commercial pad is, is viable. So um, in exchange for the residential, we thought that the city is thinking is that, hey, with the residential development uh, that's being um, allowed on the rest of the site, that that could fund um, a non-residential piece on this, on this, um, on this property. What Pulte is telling us recently, lately has been that in order to fund the recreation building, they would need some sort of additional offset through the sale of the homes. And generally the understanding is um, a recreation center would, would cost a little bit more to build than a park. And so therefore the housing, the two units that are being proposed uh, would be a little less affordable. Therefore the two moderate units um, with going together with the recreation center. But if um, the recommendation is for a park, which would cost a little bit less to provide than the rec center, then there would you would see a slightly deeper affordability and therefore the two lower income units um, accompanying the park. So that's just the general understanding of, of the economics. Thank you for the explanation. And so with that said, I wanna address a few comments. Um, first thing is, um, I too live in a community that has a HOA and every residence in my community have two car garage. And yet we have parking issues because people are not parking their cars in the, uh, in the garage. And um, as a result, um, we have, I mean, I've experienced double parking, my driveway gets blocked. Um, so our HOA has been enforcing um, parking restrictions and um, we're starting to tow people's cars now. And if that's the case at Bay 37, that should be enforced. The parking restri um, restrictions should be enforced by the HOA uh, in the private property area. Uh, in terms of, um, based on what Alan, you had just presented to us, um, I am leaning towards um, alternative number three as well. Um, with a hybrid of potentially converting lower income, either moderate or low income in other units and do two other um, market rate units at a lower height as to not block the views of the existing homes. So that's where I stand. Um, with that said, um, I'm trying to take a tally and I do we have a motion or further comments? Yes, Board Member Teague. Uh, thank you, President Reese. Listening to everyone and basically going, okay, they will support this and they'll support this. And what uh, could we potentially recommend to the city council? Um, it seems that some form of neighborhood park paid for, maintained by the HOA, that mm -hmm. seems to be a common theme that people would support. The idea of having uh, two not as tall units uh, seems like that could garner support or a community center. The community center, it seems like that's a burden on, on the city 
and it may or may not be activating the area. Um, I would want to see two very low income single family. I, I, I'm not, they don't have to be single family. They could be a paired single family home. They don't have to have two car garages. It's I'm perfectly fine with one. Um, being uh, paying attention to the height in that, I, I believe that that is something that I could support recommending the city council. And I guess I'll just recommend that. I recommend, I move that we recommend the city council modify it to uh, alternative 3B, which is two very low income housing units and a small neighborhood park. Staff. Clarifying, clarifying that, um, board member T, can you clarify in your motion that the two very low income units does not need to be on this specific pad? I think they do because they will have the advantage of the views that everyone is talking about. So trading those for market rate, now you're going to give an extra $150,000 view premium for those units. Um, and I, you know, how often are the BMR units ones that have great views? Rarely. So I, I think the advantage of having a slightly smaller unit, but you're going to have really nice access in terms of views. So I wouldn't be supportive of having them relocated elsewhere. Got it. Thank you. Board member Sahaba? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of respond to board member Teek's um, initial framework of emotion. I, I would take into consideration what board member Hom said about two um, low income units that are just very different than the rest of the development around them. Because I, I do think it starts to create a situation where um, socially, it's pretty clear that this is a different uh, scenario versus your neighbors who, who are surrounding you. So there's not that sense of integration in the affordable, which, uh, like Board Member Ham says, usually one is trying to strive to make the affordable units um, part of the overall development, not, not separate from it, unless you're doing a very separate affordable housing project that's not two units, but um, something that is more at a community scale. Uh, so I do get concerned about that. And I think that I don't know about the views. I think this, the two units would just be in the middle of a bunch of taller units around them. Um, not, I, I think it's protecting the views of the taller three-story units. It's not giving any better views of a, of, of a smaller unit. They're, they're just on the road and adjacent to the park. And I'm not sure how they're being designed to take advantage of, I guess, the Eastern view of the park. I'm not sure how that would work out. So I think there's challenges with integration within this master plan because it's a typology that doesn't exist right now. And it will look um, a bit odd in the overall uh, fabric of, of what's been developed to date. So the only thing that I can think, you know, obviously the retail would have been 
unique as well as like we're saying and if it was a coffee shop on, on a park that would be great but as we all um, are coming to this place today where the viability of that is not happening the other alternative as far as i'm just trying to look at it from a master plan point of view and a continuity of the fabric is really the extension of the park in my mind it's one, one or the other one is you fill in this with units um because that's what the master plan has currently at three stories or you extend the park but those are kind of the components that are adjacent to uh, where the site is and if if just for continuity of this master plan and not to make it feel fractured, uh, that that would be my um, proposal. So that's, so Thank that you. leaning towards alternate uh, two again, um, mm -hmm. on how to, how to con create continuity within this master plan. Thank you. Um, Alan or Henry, do we have a landscaped um, render overall plan of the site that we can call up? And while you do that, while you're doing that, um, just so that we can see the entire site in a, not the plot plan, but the one with, you know, landscaping, um, probably in the initial submittals. And, um, and I would like to ask a board member Sahaba, please lower your hand just in case you forget. <laughs> and then um, let's move on to board member Curtis, your comments, please. Thank you. Um, first, let me lower my hand. There we go. <laughs> uh, great, great suggestions from everybody and everybody's striving for the same thing. And, and you know, Alan's motion was, was 3B. Let me offer a 3C. And that is that that you keep the, the the same layout, but instead of having two units that were were low cost housing, why not have one low in height market rate unit and the rest park? And that way you don't have the stigma of 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 separating a lower cost unit. You have one unit that has a little bit larger full footprint, but not the full footprint of two units, and you have the best of both worlds. And that would be my suggestion. So just to make sure I understand correctly, you're suggesting instead of two units, we put one single family unit at a lower height, but market rate. Right. And let them substitute, let them substitute the two units somewhere else. They're going to make money on that, that one unit. Um, you know, use that as a bargaining chip to to if you get the same number of units you're one unit down but nevertheless you preserved everything that you want you preserve the park you preserve the views and you've raised some income for the developer okay board member curtis just so i can summarize one low height single family market rate unit and a hoa park right and elsewhere in the development two low-income houses. That's correct. Would you be willing to do two lo very low-income? I'm willing to do anything that passes. It, it, it just, it, we've, got, we've got a problem here, and I'm trying to solve that problem yep. and keep Thank the you. developer whole and keep everybody happy without cutting the baby in half. That's, that's, my, that's, that's our objective. Okay. I, I would accept that amendment to my motion. 
Good, so, thank you. Clarified question, uh, board member T. When you amend your um, motion to include one lower height market rate single family home plus the HOA maintained park on the current footprint, is it too low income or too very low income elsewhere? Uh, I'm asking for too very low income elsewhere. Thank you. Thank you. But Pulte could always argue with the city council to say, no, we can't afford it. We need to do low. Okay. But that would be for the city council to decide. Thank you. But I still would need a second. Okay, that's it. Uh, I'm just going to go through the comments for now. Thank you. Um, board member Hong. Yeah, very interesting choices. <laughs> I'm trying to keep them straight. I appreciate all the creativity of the board members, though. Um, you know, I, I guess if I'm not sure this gets the vote, but, you know, my preference, you know, it has always been is it, the com combination community center or com community space in a park. Doesn't sound like that's going to go very far. One thing I would comment, however, is that the developers saying that they can't make it pencil out. Yet at the very beginning of the project, they were proposing a commercial building, you know, to occupy this space. So, you know, of this entire space, I believe. So now they're saying they can't pencil out a small community center, which to me might be a little bit cheaper than a commercial building. So I bring that up for context that, you know, they were one to commit to a commercial building before, but now they can't. And they need to have some units in order to construct a, community, a smaller community center. I find that, quite honestly, a little disingenuous, you know, kind of shifting the argument uh, in their favor. I guess I would want to see the, I know they won't share it, but typically show me the numbers, you know, but okay, put that aside. That's just my comment there. Um, I I kind I like um, I like board members Curtis's um, suggestion if we're, we're if we're gonna if we're are gonna accept some residential units on on this site which I'm quite frankly hesitant to but if that's the direction we're moving I do like the idea of you know committing half the site for the neighborhood park so that and at least half the site and then having this one market rate lower unit it does seem like based on what the developer has got themselves in trouble on is they sold these lot premiums. So now the option of uh, comparable three-story townhouses are off the table. So that's another thing that I think the developers kind of like um, shot themselves in the foot on, quite frankly. And um, so the lower, some lower, a lower market rate unit on the site. And I do agree with Commissioner Teague that it should be a minimum of two very low income units elsewhere within the project. So if that's the motion um, that's being offered, I'm willing to second it. Thank you. Um, before I move on to board member Ariza, um, board member Hall, may I ask you to lower your hand as well? Um, sure. And um, Ellen, you have something to say uh, yes president Rees. Um, i just i just have a clarifying question um when the board is discussing low height uh how low is low is, are you talking about single story are you talking about feet um just some some direction I, I think that that will that issue will come up um down the road yeah um board member teak is your motion would you like to amend that board member curtis's suggestion uh 
board member Curtis, is it a story and a half or is it two stories? Story and a half top. How about this? Um, the, the proposed uh, community building was 19 foot, um, nine inches. So why don't we say less than 20 feet? And also just for reference to throw out there, an ADU under California law can go up to 18 feet. And that's that's considered okay. one and a half stories roughly. So we'll do 20. Are, are you open to that? I'm open to that. 20, okay. 20 or yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine with 20. Okay. Board member Ariza, thank you for your patience. Thank you. Oh, and also um board um Alan, would you or Henry, do you have the site plan available? Did you want the whole development plan site yes. plan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one with landscape, so we can take a look at it. Let's see, I have this. I just want to see how much um, landscape area is on the entire development. Thank you. Board member Ariza, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, it's okay. Thank you. Um, I think if if we had to choose between the motion put forward by board members Curtis and Teague, and what it what was already the alternates that we had before? I think I would go for alternate two and have the the park. Um, I, I don't think we need to add density, um, or any more residential units to the site. And I understand that the objective is to have very low income housing, or at least two more units of very low income. Um, but I think that giving a premium of the site right next to the park and the water to, to a single family house. I, I guess I, I just don't follow that um, idea. So I would support alternate two, alternative two if that's, those were the two options on the table. Thank you. Um, do we have any further board comments? Okay, so the reason I asked for this plan is because I'm seeing a lot of quote unquote green spaces on the overall master plan. And so are these um, optical illusion or are, are they all concrete or are they actual grasses? It's been a while, so I don't remember the landscaping um, plant species in on this plan. Are they all C3 treatment areas where there's no access to it? I think a good portion of it probably is some storm water retention areas, mm -hmm. um, like the large green areas on the bottom. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and what about the spine, like um, the green space going north and south? Uh, see, uh, and south. I can get my, so right here? Yeah. That's yeah. the, like bridge landing. That's a bridge. That's a bridge. That this is not a green area at all. This yeah, it's, this is also storm. Storm, storm, storm treatment. That's for where the bicycle bridge would land. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so with that said, I I can support board member Curtis's um, um, recommendation. So we have a motion on the table. Do we have a second? Board member Hom seconded. Yeah, I have seconded. Yeah. Seconded it with the amendment that was, I think, offered by 
Board Member Curtis, which I believe Board Member Teague accepted. Okay. Thank you. Um, so with that said, if there's no further board comments or discussions, um, Alan, would you mind roll call the vote, please? Uh, sure. Um, may staff just confirm the motion on the table and also for uh, everybody in the audience to, um, to understand. So the, the motion by the planning board is to recommend the city council approve an option that consists of a uh, small neighborhood park that would be owned and maintained by the HOA. Mm -hmm. um, there would be a, a single family detached dwelling that is market rate on the property uh, with a maximum height of 20 feet. Mm -hmm. And then for the affordable component, um, somewhere on, in the development, the uh, Pulte, the developer, will offer two uh, uh, BMR unit below market rate units at the very low income level. Is that that's that's the recommendation? That is correct. Okay. So with that, I'll do the roll call vote. President Ruiz. Aye. Uh, Vice President Hom. Aye. Board members Ariza. Aye. Cisneros. Sorry, I have a question <laughs> um, on the motion. Um, and did we agree to keep it to one parking space? Is that part of the? We didn't specify. So it's whatever it is that they need to make it sell. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, aye. <laughs> uh, board member Curtis. Aye. Saheba. No. And board member T. Aye. So that motion passes with six ayes and one no. Thank you. Um, now let's move on to agenda item 7B, um, 1200 Park Street. Staff presentation. Thank you, uh, President Ruiz. Let me um, just get my files together here. Share screen here. Hey, uh, good evening, uh, President Ruiz, members of the board, Henry Dong, again, um, with the Planning, Building, and Transportation Department. Um, so this is uh, a request for um, use permit and design review for uh, the 1200 Park Street Tavern. Um, let's see, I'm gonna give a brief overview on this project and then the, um, the applicant would like to address the board. Um, and then that would followed up by the architect who would like to give a um, short presentation on, on the architecture design. Um, Let's see, staff received a number of public comments on this project, about nine, uh, I believe, and those have been forwarded to the board. Um, so just to summarize the request, the request tonight um, 
by staff is for the board to approve the use permit and design review to allow um, the rehabilitation of an existing commercial property for adapter reuse as a tavern um, with extended hours of operation past uh, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, new perimeter fencing, an outdoor beer garden with live music um, as conditioned in our um, staff recommendation. <clears throat> so the project is uh, located on the corner of San Jose and Park Street um, and is zoned a community commercial theater, a CCT. Um, previous use of the site um, was um, formerly a Big O Tires um, uh, Tire um, Service Center. And long before that, um, there was also a gas station um, use prior. Um, the applicant is currently um, has a permit um, filed with the, um, the county and the water board to perform some site work uh, to encapsulate um, some of the, I guess, contaminated soil from the previous gas station use. And so they are working very closely with um, those agencies on that. And, um, and the, the project will also be required to do a separate public works development permit for the um, for the site improvements um, once they are submitting for their building permits. So um, sur surrounding uses of the site uh, include um, mixed use with residential above um, to the, uh, I guess to the west and as well to the south. Um, there's a residential unit to the north as well as uh, residential units um, to the east of the property. Hmm. Um, here. The project uh, includes um, rehab of the existing building for tavern use and repurposing of the parking lot as a beer garden. Um, the proposed uh, tavern use uh, will consist of a of a restaurant within the smaller building, which will be operated by Southie, which is um, which is a restaurant that's been operating in o Oakland's Rockridge districts for over a decade. And the main building will contain a tap house serving independent beers, craft beers, and a variety of wines. Uh, the tavern facility will be licensed under a Type 41, um, which is a bona fide eating established and will operate uh, similar to restaurant and dining um, operations that are family friendly and allow minors. Um, the project also uh, proposes to do some public art murals um, located on the exterior wall on Park Street and as well as on a roll-up door on San Jose Avenue. So um, pursuant to the AMC, a use permit is required for the tavern use um, for the outdoor seating area, the new perimeter fencing, and the uh, proposed extended hours operation until 11 p.m. Um, and the rehabilitation of the existing buildings requires design review approval. 
Um, so the project is uh, consistent with the general plan and zoning for the site. The project is uh, consistent with land U, L, um, LU10 general plan policy by providing a new pedestrian oriented business with outdoor seating to promote and enhance the, um, the Park Street downtown commercial area. Um, the new use adds a broad adds to the broad mix of businesses and services in the area and relates favorably with other restaurant and commercial uses. Um, the project is also consistent with general plan policy LU17 by providing an opportunity to rehabilitate, rehabilitate a property that has been vacant for um, many years into a tavern use, as well as um, policy LU17B um, by providing an innovative outdoor beer garden model that provides additional seating area around the existing buildings, which would otherwise have limited floor space. Um, project is also consistent with um, health and safety policy HS7B <clears throat> by um, providing the outdoor space um, and, and outdoor dining to accommodate uh, physical distancing. Um, let's see here. And then the proposal is consistent with the Community Commercial Zoning District, which is intended to provide a variety of um, restaurant and services types uses um, with the emphasis on pedestrian oriented retail on the ground floor le level. And so um, the downtown CC district is an appropriate area for this type of use. And, um, and overall, we think that this is a great project for, um, for this property. Um, the one item that we have um, for discussion is the proposed um, hours operation by the applicant and the uh, recommended hours um, by staff in the conditions of approval. So this uh, chart here shows a comparison of what the applicant is requesting and what the staff is recommending. Um, so the applicant is requesting to have indoor and outdoor operations from uh, until 11 p.m., which is um, past the um, standard hours of operation. Um, staff is proposing that uh, we provide extended hours on only Friday and Saturday evening. Um, and that uh, Sunday, between Sunday and Thursday, it would be standard business hours. And the reason for this is um, that the adjacent businesses surrounding the property all are operating only until 10 p.m. Um, and then for outdoor operations, we are proposing that the um, the applicant be limited to uh, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday through Thursdays and 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday. And uh, this is based on um, past precedent where the board has approved um, similar hours for the, um, the, the bar across the street. Um, shoot, the, the name was uh, on my mind, but um, it's a use permit that we approved uh, across the street on Park Street. Um, 
And then for outdoor amplified sound, the, the applicant is requesting five days a week, um, Wednesday um, through Sunday at various times. Um, and staff is um, proposing to limit those hours to just once a month on either Friday or Saturday um, between four to eight on Friday or two to eight on Saturday. And so these, this, this condition was based on past precedent of um, a use permit that was approved for the Taylor lot over on, um, on Webster Street. Um, so we did um, see in our public co um, comments that we received that there was some concerns about the bike parking design. So staff is um, recommending to add a new condition um, to have us continue to work with the um, applicant to um, ensure that there's a, a bicycle parking design um, that meets both um, um, the uh, I guess the public right of way needs as well as um, meeting the uh, requirements of, of the code. So we think as, um, as condition, we think that this project is a great use for this site and, um, and it will fit in very nicely and provide a nice um, community gathering location for the um, surrounding community. And so with that, I can, um, pass it on to the applicant to address the board. Uh, President, President Ruiz, may I just jump in to just uh, provide a, a quick, very quick comment about the project. I just want to reiterate, staff is in full support of the project. We think this is a great use at the end of Park Street. I mean, if we were to have a beer garden in Alameda, we would want it in our commercial districts. No place better than really Park Street and Webster Street. I think the concern that and questions that we have for the board tonight really is about those hours. The hours that staff is recommending are really based on um, the hours that this board had established for uh, similar uses like the clubhouse bar across the street, um, spinning bones and their patio use across the street, and also very recently um, the, the Taylor lot. So we've basically imported the conditions that the board has provided on those other uses to this site. App applicant certainly has reasons to advocate for uh, other hours. Um, and so I think that's going to be the crux of the board's decision tonight. But otherwise, I mean, staff is in full support of the use. We appreciate the applicant um, proposing to do business in Alameda. And we th really think this is a, a great use that would anchor the corner. And I just wanted to make that clear. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Um, so, you, Henry, you just said that the applicant has a presentation as well? Uh, yes, uh, the applicant would okay. like to address the board. Sure, so let's go with the applicant's presentation or address before we move on to board clarifying questions. Oh, and then the um, the architect will do a short um, okay. design presentation. Thank you. Hello, members of the board. I'm Grant Eskin. I'm one of the owners of uh, the establishment and, and um, wanted to say thanks for having us. Um, I would like to give speaking privileges to Melody Tebow. I think they came to me um, for some reason. So Melody Tipo is actually set up, she's our 
uh, one of the, the business partners and she would like to give the presentation if that's possible to, there we go. Thank you. Good evening, can you hear me? Excellent. Uh, thank you for allowing us to present 1200 Park Street. Uh, good evening, uh, President and members of the board. I'm Melody Tebow, and with me is my husband, Dan Tebow. We're primary uh, holders of 1200 Park Street Community Tap House. Uh, a little background on us. I'm native to the Bay Area, born and raised in the East Bay. Uh, we lived in Alameda for over 20 years, uh, raised my family there. Uh, our children went to Amelia Earhart, Lincoln Middle School, and Alameda High School. We actually resided just down the street on San Jose Avenue for a number of years. So really familiar with the community and specifically this location. We uh, moved to Sacramento uh, eight years ago, and um, which is where we currently reside. Uh, Bay Area will always be home to us, but uh, along the way, we learned a few things. We uh, opened um, a tap house in Alameda, I'm sorry, in uh, Sacramento uh, that is mirrored to the project that we'd like to present for 1200 Park Street. Uh, as, as mentioned, the two buildings are, are on the corner of Park Street and San Jose Avenue. The larger of the two buildings is addressed as 2407 San Jose Avenue, and that will be the tap house. Uh, the tap house will hold uh, 30, uh, 30 taps of independent craft beer, um, a varietal assortment of local and regional wines, and a broad selection of non-alcoholic beverages. Uh, we expect this to be a family community, uh, so uh, we certainly encourage, encourage that. Um, the smaller structure uh, is addressed as 1200 Park Street. It will be uh, dedicated to our kitchen operator. The kitchen operator is, is Southie, and uh, Southie has a, an East Coast-inspired fair They've been in business on uh, College Avenue in Oakland's Rockridge, Rockridge District for over a decade. Rich Wood is the owner of Southie. He also owns Wood Tavern adjacent to Southie and Wolf Restaurant on Piedmont Avenue. He's a very experienced restaurateur of over 30 years. We're very grateful to have partnered with him in this venture. Um, as mentioned, our vision for 1200 Park Street is a family-friendly, dog-friendly community establishment under license ABC 41, which is a bona fide eating place. We currently have a successful tap house in Sacramento called Sackyard Community Tap House. And uh, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary at this establishment, which is really great. Um, Sackyard is actually situated in uh, an urban corridor bordering a residential neighborhood. So similar conditions, um, we actually live two blocks from the tap house and have great awareness of the importance of keeping peaceful interaction with the neighborhood and the community. We have a strong understanding of the challenges of blending the communities. Um, and I think that kind of lends to our experience that we're gonna bring to Alameda uh, of our lessons learned, to be honest. So. Uh, at this time, I'm hoping that um, we can share a one-minute clip of Sackyard so you can uh, understand or envision uh, what that looks like for us and what we hope to share with Alameda as well. 
um, I think there was someone in the city that was going to assist me with uploading the share yeah, screen. I could do Thank that you. for you, share. Share sound. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for airing the video. I, I hope it's uh, representative of what your vision is of our uh, community establishment in Alameda as well. Um, I'd like to uh, touch base, though, on a couple of items that um, we have some concerns about as it relates to the draft report. Um, those two items, as mentioned, are the operating hours and actually live music. Uh, so currently what's proposed is the um, outdoor hours um, are shortened by one hour at the end of each evening um, as compared to the indoor hours. So that will uh, basically or effectively mean that everyone that's seated outside, say Thursday at 9 p.m., still eating dinner, are going to have to be asked to move inside for the last hour of the evening. And, and we simply don't feel that um, that is going to feel... Uh, Oh, uh, uniform to what the experience should be. Um, our our request is is that we uh, reconsider the outdoor hours to mirror the same hours as the indoor hours, so that we can um, basically be uniform or consistent with what that experience will feel like inside or out. Our kitchen operator, as we mentioned, is the smaller of the two structures. And you'll note that on the site plan, it simply sits right adjacent to the outdoor area. We expect that many guests will choose to be outside while they're dining, and we simply don't want to have to ask them to get up and move inside um, because of the limitation to the outdoor area, which is a good part of our, our outdoor spaces is dining. So that's, that's request number one um, that we would love for you to um, reconsider. Uh, and the second request that we have speaks to the live music. Uh, the live music is a large part of our business model. Uh, we support uh, live music artists, and uh, we've actually never imposed a cover charge or sell tickets to our venues. Um, no nothing like that is what the customer experiences. Uh, in Sacramento specifically, we uh, were granted a two-year entertainment permit. Um, with proposed hours that we we're showing you. And um, we, were, we were granted that permit under the understanding that they would give us that time to uh, uh, test it out, so to speak. And 
provided we didn't have any issue or we complied with the noise level ordinances, et cetera, then they would continue to renew those permits. So we're in our third renewal. This will be our sixth year of uh, operation and we've never had an infraction imposed on us. Um, I think it's important to know that, that the proximity to the neighborhood, the residential neighborhood, although within about 500 feet, uh, again, very sensitive to what that experience is like because we live here too. Um, so we do want you to know that we're, we're considerate of that and we certainly understand. We um, also have, a, a, what differentiates us a little bit is that our musicians are asked to sign a contract um, that enforces those, that compliance. Um, we ask the bands to conduct a sound check and monitor their level throughout the sets. Uh, we also have an owner or manager on site during all operating hours and specifically during performances. And we monitor the sound levels with a high quality decibel reader that we have, have on site. Um, it has been experienced where the music's too loud and we've simply asked the band immediately to turn the music down and to meet that requirement. Um, so for this reason, uh, we respectfully request reconsideration of the board to allow outdoor live music to be granted two days a week, uh, Friday and Saturday on the hours presented um, that you've noted in your staff recommendation. Um, perhaps we could be granted this for uh, a, a one-year period and renewable only after we've proven that we will not be disruptive to the community. I mean, my opinion is that we actually bring an increased traffic to the nearby restaurants as well. So this is not solely a benefit to us, but to, to the other establishments in our neighborhood. Um, I'm, uh, I'm um, again, just recommending that we consider, the staff reconsiders two days per week, Fridays and Saturdays, the hours noted uh, and, and I'd love to hear your input after, um, after this session. Um, I wanna address two more comments before closing. Um, parking uh, is understandably a, one of the greatest challenges. We have that challenge here. Uh, we've drafted a mitigation plan to help address this concern. Uh, we hope to uh, uh, be approved for a bike parking requirement that exceeds standard. Um, allowing for bike racks um, at the maximum our capacity allows on San Jose Avenue. Um, we also uh, would like to uh, introduce a validation program with Oak Street Garage or Civic Center Garage um, and plan to validate parking for our customers. Um, uh, we're certainly going to encourage that. It's, it's really the best and, and, and most convenient option. On music days, um, we will also provide a ride share, a $5 lift coupon um, to encourage uh, carpooling, uh, et cetera. Uh, this is a, a process that we do at Sackyard for our events here. Um, you know, in general, Alameda is a super walkable community and it's our expectation that most of our customer base will come from within. Uh, so I, I suspect, you know, we will, you know, not have the, the parking issues that the um, neighboring uh, uh, businesses experienced with Big Oak Tire. Again, I lived in the community. I know exactly what that felt like. I lived on that same street. So I understand that concern. And I, I hope that isn't something that is experienced, but we, we intend to mitigate it with our, with our plan. 
And then finally, I just wanted to give you a quick update as it relates to the Chevron's Lust case. Um, the remedial actions have been completed in accordance with uh, Chevron's corrective action plan. And they formally submitted the closure report to the County of Alameda on January the 13th. Um, the county uh, uh, has been in close communication with members of Chevron's environmental uh, uh, team, as well as our environmental team um, and myself personally. Uh, we certainly hope to see this closure uh, occur very, very soon. And I do want the community to know we're addressing those issues. So um, I'm gonna turn this over now to Norm Sanchez, our architect of record, uh, and he'll give a brief overview of our design concept. Um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Can we bring uh, Norman Sanchez uh, to the panel? Good evening. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Uh, President Reeves, board members, uh, thank you very much for your time this evening. Norman Sanchez, architect on behalf of the ownership team. Uh, I think that the staff report did an, a very good job of summarizing um, the project as a whole. And so I'll try to keep my remarks brief in the interest of time and then uh, look forward to your questions. I think there's just a couple of uh, items that I would love to point out. Um, Henry, if it'd be possible to share the opening slide from your presentation, I think that might be helpful. Sure, let me do that. <clears throat> Thank you. So we'll begin with, um, I'd like to point out that the curved wall uh, that we have at the corner of Park Street and San Jose serves multiple purposes. Um, and aside from being a decorative element, we're we're trying to utilize that concave shape to help us acoustically. So the idea behind uh, that solid portion of the wall is to is to back the stage to allow the performance to happen on the opposite side of that wall, and therefore to sort of try to contain the noise to the site rather than uh, letting it permeate throughout the neighborhood. So. Um, that serves one purpose. The other purpose is that it opens up the corner a little bit um, for increased planting and allows for a better view as, as for both pedestrian, bicycle, and, and vehicular traffic. So um, that curved wall, I think, has, uh, we feel not only accentuates the aesthetics of the site, but also has some practical considerations. Um, regarding the bike racks, um, yeah, I, I think that we the space that we selected for the bicycle racks um, was selected for a number of reasons. One is that San Jose Avenue is, is a bike, um, is one of the encouraged bike uh, routes uh, for the city of Alameda. So therefore it seems convenient to have the bike racks visible and, and easily accessible. Uh, there are also two mature elm trees that are, are shown graphically in the slide and so the the idea was to take advantage of a former driveway accessing the parking for the big o uh, uh, development before and using that 
space in between those mature trees uh, to try to fit as many bicycle racks as we can. Um, I think that even at the number that we show now, which I believe is in the in the neighborhood of 15 bicycles, um, I think that that's easily accommodated and it's um, nearly double what our requirement would be. So um, our goal is to you know to work with planning and and make sure that we maximize that space. Um, some of the public comments hinted at the possibility of maybe adding additional bike racks at the uh, daylight corners as, as there are um, on other parts of Park Street. And so we'd be open to that as well. Um, I think the other uh, point to make uh, or thing to point out is you can see in the background there in between the two buildings, the new, the yeah. only new construction that we'll be adding to the, um, to the site is the restroom building. So there's an existing metal shed building that connects the two uh, original buildings currently. Uh, we're proposing to demolish that and replace it with a new structure that would house the restroom. And that um, the, the goal for that wall, the exterior wall facing the courtyard is to have it be a green planted wall. Um, so that's, um, and that's what that's connoting on that one. And I think other than that, uh, I, I guess just to point out that there's a significant amount of investment uh, going into um, doing the upgrades to the buildings to maintain them as much as possible in their current condition, including seismic upgrades um, that we're discussing with our engineering team. So uh, the goal is uh, to try to maintain the aesthetic of the original buildings, um, to try to improve upon them with replacing some of the canvas awnings with more contemporary metal awnings and sort of um, accentuating the, the uh, sort of historic nature of the building. Um, and then uh, also trying to, you know, improve on the on the seismic viability of these buildings because they're unreinforced masonry and there's, um, you know, there is a fair amount of settlement that's occurring that we'll need to address. Okay, and with that, I'll uh, close my comments and I'll look forward to your questions. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. Um, that's a move forward with the board clarifying questions. And then, um, then we'll open for public comments. Board Member T. Thank you, President Ruiz. Uh, Henry or the architect owner, would someone clarify? I know there was something that was said. The idea about the tainted soil and how the removing of the existing asphalt and concrete and encapsulation, how are all those being handled together? Uh, Norm, would you like me to speak to that? Yes, please. So uh, currently we are still working with Chevron who is um, uh, the responsible party in uh, completing the excavation work, which they have done. Um, uh, if you've noticed the site plan, it includes uh, a installation of a decomposed granite over um, a portion of the uh, the outdoor beer garden area and concrete ADA walk paths or walkways um, uh, surrounding um, the building and you know at the building entrances. So those areas where, for example, the new structure will be installed, um, will include a vapor barrier um, underneath that new that new building slab, 
and the insides of the buildings will have um, uh, another mitigation plan to to include um, grinding and sealing of the slab floor um, to uh, as another you know measure. But the excavation work and remedial work and the closure report addresses the entire scope that Chevron was responsible for with the Lust case, which again is going to be closing shortly. Okay, and from the plan, it looked like the DG was over most of the site. Uh, well, is it not over most of the site? Uh, yes, it is. I think maybe uh, I could add a little bit to what Melody was um, speaking to with regards to the encapsulation. So. So at the moment, um, the work that has happened is they've done the excavation and the soil remediation portion. And what remains to happen is the vapor barrier that would underlie both the DG and the concrete portions of the site. Um, the areas of asphalt that are remaining currently on the site are to be demolished and they're not over the areas that uh, have remediation associated with them. So we basically asked them to stop their remediate or stop their remediate remediatory work uh, to allow us to get our approvals in place so that then when we do the, the demolition, they can uh, further encapsulate and, and then we would be able to add our DG or whatever our finished paving material is. Okay. And then a uh, question for the, uh, I'm sorry, but you talked about actively monitoring the sound levels. Uh, what are the DV levels that you are monitoring for? I, I, you, you may have said it and it went by so fast I didn't get you. Sure, y yes. Uh, so in this particular staff report, the decibel level is 85. Uh, in Sacramento, it's 90, uh, but 85 is, is perfectly comfortable to us as well. We have a larger outdoor area in Sacramento, which I think is why 90 was approved. Uh, but our, our reading would be uh, to, to not exceed 85 decibels. Okay, and Alan or Henry? 85 is what our noise ordinance specifies? Uh, actually, I, I could jump in and answer that. Um, the noise ordinance is problematic because it sets the cap at the ambient. And um, we've consulted the city attorney on this issue, and the city attorney has suggested that uh, in, in these noise matters, the board needs to allow some decibel level above the ambient for it to be legally dispensable. So um, the 85 comes from, I believe, the uh, previous, previous discussion at the Taylor lot. Okay, okay. Uh, those are my questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, board member T, board member Hum. Thank you. Just have to try to unmute myself. Uh, thank you, uh, staff, for the presentation. And, and thank you, applicant, for the very thorough presentation. I appreciate hearing about your facility in Sacramento, which I may have visited. Uh, there's lots and lots, there's a lot of brew pubs in Sacramento, but I may have visited this one. Yes, there are. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, maybe first for staff. Um, the suggestion of being consistent with surrounding conditions put on outdoor eating areas for nearby establishments. As I recall, those eating establishments are kind of like at the back of these buildings, so they're but directly abutting residential uses. Is, is that the case with the ones that you were referencing? I think for the, um, the conditions that we use, it, it comes from the um, uh, 
the bar use. I know, like yeah, bar use bar, and, uh, right. and uh, spinning bones, and mm-hmm. uh, but those eating, those eating outdoor eating areas are kind of like in the back, right, adjacent to some homes, right? Right. Yeah. The uh, the majority of it is in the back. They, I think they do also have some um, parklet um, yeah. eating areas too, as well. But yeah, the do we restrict the, the hours of of uh, outdoor service for the parklets? Um, for that particular, um, uh, use permit, yes, I believe that we do. Um, what hours do we set for the parklet? Is it also 8 p.m. or do we allow a little bit uh, longer hours? Let's see here. I believe they're covered under this, uh, citywide use permit. So, um, on Friday and Saturdays, they, they could be, uh, past 10 p.m. Past 10 p.m. If, in the parklets only. Correct. Right? Yeah. And I think, Board okay. Member Hum, you do make a point here. I mean, the distinguishing factor of this site is the open space is actually shielded by the buildings. So between yeah. between the the um, actual beer garden outdoor use and the adjacent residential homes, um, you've got the the two story brick buildings in between. Yeah. Whereas yeah. across the street, yeah, clubhouse, the patios directly it, interface, uh, which is certainly home. a lot more sensitive situation. You don't have that right. buffer. Um, also, for clarification, I, I, I heard that the staff recommendation is limited to one amplified music event per month. Does that include both Friday and Saturdays, or is it one per month period? Um, we're following the condition that was um, set by the Taylor lot, which is one per month on either Friday or Saturday. Either Friday or Saturday. Okay. Um for the applicant, a couple of clarifying questions, if I may. So as I understand how you outlined it, what you're recommending is a change as far as what it differs from the staff recommendation is allowing your outdoor eating area to be to 9 p.m. for, for all days of the week from 8 to 9. And then you're also asking for uh, Friday and Saturday, um, the outdoor music to be from 8 to 9 p.m. Is that correct? I think that's not completely correct, right? Because I think the dining was till 10 on the weekends, right? Friday and Saturdays. And then, uh, yeah, we were we we're asking for music on Fridays and Saturdays. And I think that would be from a window of, you know, what from like 2 to 8 or, you know, we would we would cut out at 8 o'clock, I guess, is, is what would be proposed. Yeah, the okay. proposed outdoor amplified music, those hours are, are uh, we're comfortable with that. We simply just don't, um, you know, we, we would like to have them greater than once per month. So, so you would like to have Friday and Saturday to 9 p.m. rather than 8 p.m. as recommended by staff? No, no, 8 p.m. on the music, but on the outdoor dining, I think it was 9 p.m. And we're, we're asking for it to be 10 p.m. To 10 p.m. But you're fine with amplified music to 8 p.m. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. And what about the limitation on one outdoor amplified music per month? Uh, that's what we're challenging. Oh, uh, you know, we'd like to. Have what, oh, yeah. What? 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 You? What are we, you requesting? Uh, like to have it the opportunity to have the permit say that we have, could have it any Friday and Saturday during any Friday and Saturday during the month. Okay. Okay. So. So. Um, so what, up to what, like up to like generally like eight event 
months per right. month. Yeah. If you include yeah. both Friday and Saturday. Okay, I just want to be clarified. And uh, how frequent are your music events at your Sacramento facility? Uh, we are actually currently, because of the time of year, we are actually five days a week right now. Um, five days a week, amplified music. That's right, yes. So okay. um, uh, we cut back to four days a week in the summertime because you know Sacramento gets hot and so we don't do music on Sunday afternoons. Um, we've also had the fortunate situation of adding Wednesday nights. Uh, the, the Sacramento State College approached us and we are we are now doing a uh, standing Wednesday night uh, jazz, uh, jazz jam, jazz ensemble. Um, and we currently have uh, Barry Finley, who was who played with Miles Davis, who plays with this band on every Wednesday night, um, mm -hmm. stands in with yeah. the band, and, um, and they have a rotating uh, jazz community of probably fifteen to twenty musicians that kind of jump in between horns and and uh, you know bass guitar and uh, other instruments, but uh, it's become a great a great asset to the community and also allows a lot of the students, uh, a lot of the music students in town. To participate uh, with some of these, uh, you know, well-known musicians. Right. Uh, then I'll add that Jacob Mandrick, his uh, very uh, well-recognized music artist, a jazz artist who plays at Yoshi's, for example, and people pay fifty to seventy dollars a cover to pay to to see him play, and he plays at our establishment. He would play in Alameda too, for example. So that's an example of the quality of music we hope to bring. Okay. Okay. And then just one final question by May. What is what is your anticipated indoor capacity and your outdoor capacities for seating for meals? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, Norm, I don't know if you have uh, an occupancy identified on our plan yet. Um, uh, so I would I would only be able to kind of guesstimate. Uh, so uh, Norm, unless you have a specific. Um, uh, no, we don't have specific numbers yet, Board Member Hong, and so I think that we need to um, see what's allowed by code and make sure that the fire marshal is in agreement with um, with our proposed capacities for both those spaces. Okay, yeah, I was just trying to to visualize how much of um, um, how much of a uh, you know, I don't know what's the word, how much of a difficulty would be to move, say, your clients that are sitting outside indoors, should they be there past, you know, whatever time limit we place on it. That's yeah. always trying to figure right. out. Okay, thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, board member Ariza. Thank you for the presentation. Um, this seems like a great project to me for that location. I I'm just wondering if there has been any outreach to the adjacent neighbors or the adjacent community about the project. Yes, um, I did. Uh, when I learned that we had a planning hearing date, I did um, uh, send communication out uh, 500 feet in all directions to every address in the community. Um, to give them an, uh, uh, an opportunity to um, be able to join for any public comment um, and um, basically notified everybody uh, separately and personally. We've also had some communications with the local businesses adjacent to uh, 1200 Park. Um, 
specifically Michael at Spinning Bones, who's very excited about us coming up to the top of Park Street. Uh, we've been involved in in two events at 1200 Park Street with the Alameda Alameda Business District. I think it, it is uh, Al Ali. She's speaking later too. I think. Yeah, I think she. May, oh, Kathy may be speaking. Yeah. So um, we have talked to some of the actual local business owners that are adjacent to our property. I think okay. it activates this end of Park Street, which is the excitement for I think the community there. Thank you. Floor member Cisneros. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also think this is a great project. Um, and yeah, I had a similar question about like some of the feedback um, from the residents nearby. Yes. And another question I had was, um, because I know like some of our spaces here in Alameda play music indoors. Um, and if that was a consideration of like having the band inside, cause it looked like from the layout, maybe there was capacity for that. And maybe having just like um, some kind of, I don't know, radio or whatever, having music outside, but maybe not an actual live band. If that was a consideration y'all, um, I, I mean, this is specifically speaking to the outdoor music amplified, um, but we certainly in, intend to have music inside um, uh, as well. Uh, I, I'm, you know, fairly certain that that doesn't um, interfere with the the planning requirements of what what we do inside our space. But I, I could be could be mistaken. But we do plan to have music inside. From time to time. Um, and sorry, the, the other question was about residents. Um, I don't know if you had anything specific to that. Um, you mean uh, some of the comments that the residents uh, made and, and speaking to those? Um, I think uh, most of the comments appear to be favorable. I know uh, one of our immediate neighbors had concern about. Um, uh, really the environmental pieces which which are being addressed and not fully in our control but um, um, most certainly a very important part of our go forward because it affects our lending and uh, you know other other aspects of clearing our phase one etc some intimately involved with that process and uh, yes that is moving forward um, uh, I think residents are concerned about parking and um, uh, that's understandable given what they've experienced in years past with Big O Tire and all of the parking on, on specifically San Jose Avenue. Um, I hope that that's not the experience we have. I mean, we're going to fully encourage biking uh, because it is a drinking establishment. To be honest, we find that a lot of people simply will not drive. Um, they're pretty, we, we have a pretty sophisticated customer base in that respect. So it's usually biking, walking, Lyft or Uber. Um, and for the need of the parking, just in general, given there's no parking on Park Street, I think the Civic Center garage is a very, very valid opportunity for us. And if we can simply validate all parking for that, anybody that can park in that garage, hopefully that mitigates the situation. Thank you. Um, I want to thank the staff, the applicant, and the applicant's architect for the um, thorough pre presentation. And I, I too have a few questions. Um, one, 
Um, actually, this is a question for the staff. Across the street in the laundromat, it, above, it's a two-story building. Are there residential units above the laundromat? I believe so, yes. Okay. Thank you. And then um, when the parking lot was operated by Spinning Bones, just want to confirm that it's a, what's the hours of operation in, in Big O'Tire's parking lot? I can answer that. So uh, that was allowed under the citywide um, COVID emergency, COVID-19 emergency use permit, which allowed Monday to uh, mon uh, Sunday through Thursday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And then uh, Friday and Saturdays, 7 a.m. to midnight outdoor use. And okay. that was citywide. Okay. And um, do they have... Um amplify music during that as part of the permit i don't recall but i just i don't believe so no okay. no no okay i Thank think you. it was primarily a lunch a lunch thing for, mm -hmm. for the spinning bones as well Okay, and um thank you and then um question for the applicant in terms of um i believe I think it's both a question for the staff and the applicant. I think the hours of operation was taken from Taylor Street. And if memory serves me right, during our review of Taylor Street, we only limit the amplified music, but they are allowed to have other outdoor events, like acoustic events or anything provided that it is not amplified. Is that true? That is okay. correct, yes. Okay, thank you. Then um, question for the applicants, have you would you have other musical events that's acoustics um, that's not amplified? Or is that not in consideration at all? Uh, no, it's certainly in consideration. And, you know, inside that's likely the case, um, uh, depending on, you know, the, the evening or um, the the venue. Outside, we have experienced that the uh, unamplified music is difficult to, to hear. Mm -hmm. um given the size of that space so um it is it is why we would would you know respectfully request the the amplified outdoor music for those days but um certainly we would uh, plan to have unamplified if if that were not the case understood thank you and then um a clarifying question and thank you for addressing the environmental concerns right off the, the gate um into i just want to make sure i'm reading the plans correctly um, you mentioned that, where's the demo plan? So the current asphalt parking to be removed, that is not under the remediation plan, right? So you don't need, that will not receive vapor barrier after removal, will it? After removal, yeah, it is, um, uh, there's a large part that is already removed. We simply, um, Chevron has, has done that as part of their excavation. We just simply asked them to not re-pour asphalt back down because we simply didn't want to have asphalt anyway. So um, then, so the asphalt area doesn't, doesn't need remediation, is that what you're saying? The remaining? Uh, no, no. I mean, what, what has required, what was been, what's been required of Chevron with their remedial action uh, plan has been accomplished. That's been completed. Uh, the, the, it includes the soil under the asphalt, does not include necessarily the asphalt. They had to remove the asphalt to get to the soil excavation. Um, but as a result of that, they um, basically just poured uh, AB rock back on top of it um, mm -hmm. under the areas that they excavated. 
And then, you know, those are the areas that we will we will remove that rock and then we'll remove the remaining amount of asphalt to proceed with installing our, our vapor barrier, decomposed granite and concrete pathways or, um, uh, yeah, concrete pathways so, or pavers. So are you thinking that, are you saying that you're putting vapor barrier, barrier underneath the DG? Well, you know, I don't know how effective it is. There is a barrier that goes under the decomposed granite, generally speaking. Um, I'm not sure how effective or what, whether or not it, it's necessary underneath the decomposed granite, but we do plan to do that under the asphalt, uh, I'm sorry, under the concrete walkway and um, and or paver areas. And Norm, maybe you, you have a, an understanding on whether or not there's a, a barrier that does um, uh, something of, effectively uh, preventing, you know, any additional vapor exposure. Um, I'm not, yeah. not clear what that product would be. Yeah, I think that the largest, the largest areas of contamination fall underneath um, the areas that will be paved, um, that will be hard paved. And, and so those areas would receive a vapor barrier. There's some small, uh, there's test wells inside of the tap house, and there's very small isolated areas that need to be remediated and so the idea there is that the when the work is happening there's going to be trenching uh to run utilities and such that at that time they'll do uh the replacement would receive a vapor barrier but most of the asphalt area that remains does not require uh, encapsulation okay so that means that the dg is not stabilized and right yeah, well, the DG, so I believe well, that the so idea... The, the, new, oh, the new landscaping plan call out for DG, decomposed granite, then I'm going to assume that is not stabilized and that, you know, the water can percolate down into the soil. Uh, correct, yeah. So it, it is, um, I believe that the DG is intended to be permeable. And there is a um, there's a binder that I think the um, is being proposed as an aggregate to the to the DG, um, which is, and the purpose isn't necessarily to make it impermeable, but it's to prevent it from being uh, becoming airborne in light in wind in the wind, and so it's uh, it's sort of to make it a little bit more compact. Um, but uh, no, the the idea is not to encap not to extend the vapor barrier uh, completely underneath the DG and make it impermeable. Got it. Is that, am I answering your question? Yes, not, now you are. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, okay, and then um, I think um, I think the rest I'll wait save for the comment. So thank you very much for your patience. Um, now, yes. Uh, Ms. Thibault, do you have a comment? No. Oh, no, I was just going to mute if there was no more questions for us. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Now, that's um, if there's no further board clarifying questions, that's open up for public comments. Um, please raise your hand if you would like to speak. That's, um, start with the first speaker, Efren Williams. Mr. Williams, please go ahead. Hello? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, beautiful. 
So um, I thank you uh, very much, uh, the entire board. It's always great to sit and listen to everyone trying to have the same vision and come to the same goals. Um, after living here for 14 years uh, in Alameda, the transition in the um, roadways has been, um, I guess, a, a big um, um, eye-opener. Um, the bicycling lanes, uh, the changing of the lanes, et cetera. So we have to go with the change or the flow uh, of, of, of what's best for the city. And I totally agree with that. Um, but my concern though on Park Street, uh, there's been so many uh, businesses that have closed. And, and, and the, the question that everyone asks is why? And primarily it's because of the lack of parking. Uh, uh, many of the uh, visitors that come here, uh, it's just a difficult thing for them to park. And as you notice, it's it's just a slow process uh, of, of, of parks, I mean, excuse me, of, of um, um, uh, uh, stores and, and um, restaurants that are closing. And so my concern that I have with this new development um, is that we, we are really into bicyclists but you know, when you have drivers that are on Park and San Jose, the concern I have is now they're going to be dealing with bicyclists who are intoxicated. And the bicyclists who are intoxicated are going to have that mentality that they have the right of way because they're on a bicycle. And of course, we always wanna be um, very sensitive to uh, bicyclists as well as pedestrians who are walking. And so um, that was my main concern. And the other concern is the, that the tenants or residents that live around there, this is going to be so brand new to them. And with the decibel, decibel, decibel of, the, of the level of noise, I think that that's going to be um, um, a hindrance uh, to them. But, you know, we can always get used to whatever is uh, 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 being, uh, brought in and and change is good, but I'm just really, 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 really concerned with bicyclists being intoxicated on such a heavy road, which is Park Avenue. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Um, next speaker, Kathy Weber. please go ahead. Hello, are you able to hear me? Yes. Hi, thank you. I'm sorry about that. Um, good, good evening, um, Madam President Ruiz and members of the planning board. I'm Kathy Weber. I'm the executive director with the Downtown Alameda Business Association, and we are eager to support the use permit for 1200 Park Community Tap House and the project as presented by the applicant. Um, downtown in this area are really 
you know, they're coming into the, its own. And I think we've recently had some great buzz with uh, three of our restaurants, one of which was is across the street from this area being featured on Check Please Bay Area. And I think with um, this edition, it's going to make a fantastic bookend for our district. Um, I'd also like to mention that the music component that they're presenting is designed to complement conversation and not as a concert experience. Uh, I think that that makes an important distinction. Um, additionally, as was noted, the location and the orientation of the music is not, you know, a directly adjacent um, to a residential area in a backyard, for example, as the patio, as was referenced by the clubhouse. Um, the owners are from Alameda and they understand our community and uh, will continue to actively support the goals of our association. Already they've participated in two of our events that was a great opportunity to do some outreach to the community and really showcase their plans to folks and get feedback. And we look forward to welcoming them soon to our district. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. Next speaker will be Tito Villasenor or Senor. Tito Villasenor. Hey there, do you guys uh, have me? Yes. Hey there, um, just requesting um, six minutes because I am representing a few of the neighbors uh, on our block of the 1100 block which is uh, in between San Jose and Clinton. Can that be uh, granted? Sorry, can you repeat that again? Um, I, I am requesting uh, extra time because I am representing some other neighbors uh, that could not be on this same exact call. Um, I suggest do you have a formal presentation or was staff notified of that information ahead of time? They were not notified. Uh, I just, I have been in communication with them and I've been wrote, wrote down a few questions. So with this communication uh, with the staff, with, with the uh, current neighbors that are on my block. Okay. I would like you to keep it to the three minute limit. Thank you. Okay. No worries. Thank you. Um, first off, I just want to say um, that I do support this. Is, is uh, I knew Gary, uh, who operated Big O Tires, uh, when he had left. Um, the first thing I said would that would be a perfect place for a tavern. Um, I do support that. Um, I am concerned just with parking as is for the residents here. Um, whether I, I don't think this should fall on the the owners uh but i think the city needs to have great consideration for i believe surrounding the lot there's from park avenue san jose and uh park street at the 1100 block uh parking as is 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 a disaster and um fact of the matter is people will eventually drive um i've even tested there's no enforcement uh i've tested this theory out where i've left my car on the meters and 
I haven't been ticketed there for over a couple days. So there's no enforcement. Uh, I would like the city to consider permit parking for the residents on San Jose, uh, as well as Park Street, um, and to paint uh, T's on for the correct parking spots and to uh, enforce that, or at least give us an option to have some communication with maybe the city um, working with a tow truck company or something where they give us the residents uh, a place to actually park because there is uh, is a huge issue uh, as far as uh, the noise. Um, I don't see that fully being uh, like an issue as long as uh, I think we should stick with the recommended hours. I don't like the extended hours. I use Spicy Calmer uh, on the other side of Park Street that they are a business. They close at 9 p.m. They do have uh, live music there as well, but that's indoors, not outdoors. And they close at 9 p.m. Um, that is one thing that I want to uh, bring up as well. Um, as far as having the resident or the patrons move the food from inside and to from outside to inside, um, then I think that we should just, you know, uh, I don't think you should ask them to do that, but I also think that, hey, maybe you should just stop serving food a little bit earlier so you don't have to ask them to move. Um, and I, uh, I just strongly disagree on uh, the closing time of extended hours to 11. I think that it should, uh, and I speak on behalf of uh, quite a few of the residents around here, that, that it should stay uh, according to the hours. Uh, as far as the DB sound, uh, I think that should be okay. Those are my concerns. Thank you for your time. Thank you, board. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, next speaker, please. Next speaker will be Betsy Matheson. Good evening. I live on Park Avenue. I have for 22 years. I was intimately involved with getting Big O tires out of here. And I'm a customer of Big, or, uh, big Discount, whatever they're called now. We've known Gary that whole time. I'm very glad they're in their new larger space. And I'm very supportive of a tavern and tap house. The Notice of this public hearing that we received in the mail mentioned outdoor live music, but did not mention amplified sound. And as of five o'clock today, I was the only uh, identified immediate neighbor who had written in, and I'm worried that the others who received this notice in the mail have no idea that amplified sound is proposed. Um, I really appreciate the um, limiting of our, our days and hours of amplified sound. I appreciate the applicants um, being happy with stopping it at eight o'clock, but we can hear patrons at the clubhouse bar on the opposite side of Park Street from our, our bedrooms on Park Avenue. So amplified sound scares me. Um, the curved wall may cause some strange reverberations of sound off the buildings. And I hope 
some kind of sound checks can be done before a whole string of musicians is signed up for the season. And I would vastly prefer if the out the days of amplified sound being allowed start out um, very limited until the effects can be measured rather than opening it wide up, wide open for every Friday and Saturday, every weekend, and then finding out it's as bad for the neighbors as Big O Tires was, because I am so looking forward to a tavern and tap house. My family and I only eat outdoors. We can time it so we don't have to move indoors. And I'm looking forward to taking um, friends from outside the area there and enjoying it. I think it's a perfect adaptive reuse. And my only concern is the amplified sound. Thank you all. Thank you. Next speaker, please. The next speaker will be Anne Argio. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you everybody for um, allowing me to speak and I appreciated getting to hear from the uh, developers and the architect. Um, I am a resident. I live in the 1100 block of Park Street on the uh, odd number side. So I would be kind of catty corner. I'm not on that schematic that you showed, but I would be in the, in the Southwest side. Um, I have a couple of uh, comments and questions. The first one is that retaining wall, that brick wall that's supposed to be a sound wall is only six feet high, if I understood the plans correctly. I'm assuming the sound will still go over that wall and around through the sides. Um, I can hear sound very easily. I can hear conversations on the street from people walking by. And I'm also wondering what will happen with the amplified sound. Uh, someone else pointed out that the letter that I received, it doesn't say anything about amplified sound. Um, so I'm a little hesitant about that. Um, I would support the reduced hours. And I did note that the Saturday time, even for the, was from two to nine for amplified sound outside. And that sounds like a nightmare to me to have seven hours of amplified sound. Um, my other question, or my other comment is, um, Parking is terrible here. It's hard to find parking sometimes even in the middle of the day. And um, in the evenings, people do park on Park Street and then they walk to various places. Um, sometimes people long park on Park Street where they park for four or five days and they're not the neighbor's cars that I've learned to recognize so far. The other thing I'm worried about is will people just park at South Shore and walk up? I'm not sure which is closer, the South Shore parking lots or the Oak Street parking lots. And in that case, that would produce a lot of pedestrian traffic um, right through a residential area because this all houses from South Shore up to, to 12th Street to, to the uh, tavern. Um, I would really also support permit parking uh, because it is quite difficult. And um, I can imagine people would come in and park and stay for nine or 10 o'clock at night. And if I come home late, then I'm parking three or four blocks away sometimes, which is a little unsettling if, if I'm it's late at night. 
On the other hand, it is nice to see that there are some ideas to reuse that particular space. Um, I do wish I had received communication from the city directly and not from the business owner, though. I will note that. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Um, I see that Mr. Efren Williams, you have your hands up again, but unfortunately you have already spoken. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's that concludes our um, public comments period. Um, now I'm gonna open for board comments, um, board member Teague. Thank you. Uh, Henry, if you could bring up that list of hours, that would be helpful. Um, I would like to thank everyone for speaking, the applicant, staff. This has been really good. I really appreciated staff, including the references for where these times came from. Uh, I definitely appreciate board member Holmes pointing out the very different situational location uh, between the places we're talking about in place here. And I definitely see that as a, a big determinant. Um, I would be in support of the outdoor operations matching the indoor operations, like the Almanac is on the other end of town, uh, other restaurants in the area, the parklets have later hours. Um, I think it would be worth letting them establish themselves as good neighbors. Uh, like we have done elsewhere, I would also have this as a temporary use permit where they, you know, we review it in a year, like we have done pretty much on almost every other item. The outdoor amplified sound, uh, you know, the item was brought up about the place on Webster Street, which was really about a performance space, not music and adjacent to dinner. Um, and it was also adjacent to uh, residential without a building being in the way. And I would, they also did not do active decibel monitoring and active changing of the sound. And I think with that, I would be willing to let them, again, show that they are good neighbors and be able to have the outdoor amplified sound Friday and Saturday nights. Again, we've done in general three strikes. We get certified notices. They come back, there's an issue and it's in, actually in the ordinance about that. Uh, so I would be in favor of rec of granting their use permit with those changes to what staff has presented for the reasons I've given. So thank you. So um, board member T, just to confirm, you are recommending the left hand. No, I am not. You're recommending. I am no. recommending that the indoor and outdoor operations be the same. Be the um, like the left hand. The left hand no, side. no. Indoor operations Sunday to Thursday, seven to ten. Friday to Saturday, seven to eleven. Okay. That would be indoor and outdoor operations. So that that that's the same. Okay, got it. 
And then outdoor amplification, just striking the clause, it says once per month. Again, it's, okay. it's a conditional use permit. Well, it's not conditional. They have to come back and show that they've been good neighbors uh, in a year, like we've done with other locations, like almost every one that we've had. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has in it the three strikes. You know, you have to come and you're presumed guilty unless you can explain why you shouldn't uh, lose your use permit. Uh, if there is some serious activities. But I believe that their plan and location is uh, very different than what we've had on the other locations. Uh, the location with the building blocking the residential, the active monitoring of sound levels and active mitigation, as opposed to waiting to hear if someone complains, uh, that was, which is what we got on Webster Street. Uh, I think those are very solid. And the idea of activating that part of Park Street to bring people down would be great. It could be that they will discover that Park Street rolls up the sidewalks at nine and at 10 and Saturday and Sunday, and that those hours are fairly blank. Or it could be that they bring a new vitality to the area. I hope it's that. Thank you for the clarification, um, Board Member Sahaba. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for the presentation. I myself used to live down the street from uh, where this location is, and I do think it's a good use of, uh, or um, thinking of adaptive reuse, this is, this is a very good program to implement in there. Uh, I'd, I've been in agreement with what Board Member Teague described as the recommended hours, because uh, I think it's too hard to manage for people, shifting people around from indoor to outdoor space, um, especially once they settle in. So it's, it's, a, it's a challenge that's probably going to be too difficult to, to deal with. On, on the design side, I would say um, I'm just conflicted with the radius uh, brick wall that's been proposed. I know that I understand the use of it, of trying to um, use it as a back wall to a stage. Uh, but what we've always tried to do in our commercial districts is to make it more permeable and open to, to pedestrian movement and visual openness. And it does create more of a, a, a solid situation at the intersection, which isn't typically what you find in, at, at the intersection or, or even along uh, the street, which I know is more permeable where the um, uh, fence-like structure is on both San Jose and Park. So, I, I, and there's this, uh, you know, with this landscape, I'm just curious outboard of, of the brick wall how it really starts to um, be something that isn't secondary, but more integral to the um, design of how, how all the landscape comes together from both indoor to outdoor. So I'm not um, completely sold on, on that wall. Um, I think there's other ways to still create permeability and um, baffle sounds. So that's just something I think um, could be considered. 
the other thing I didn't hear much about is just, are there any sustainable goals of this adaptive reuse? Besides, obviously, a very good goal of um, reusing the structure that's there. I didn't know if there was any other um, goals on the energy side, which would be interesting to learn about. And uh, I really appreciate that there's no parking provided for this um, development because really uh, it, it starts to encourage other modes of transportation to arrive here. And I think traffic is just something that tells us that a city's vibrant. Um, and when you don't have traffic, you start to realize that a city is more desolate. So. I, I think other I think people understand how to manage this once um, there is uh, that this this development goes into operation. But uh, so those are those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Sahaba. Um, Board Member Curtis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I agree with with uh, board member Teague with the hours. I think that the hours should be consistent inside and outside, but I disagree with the idea of taking the the once per month out of the amplified sound. You know what 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 we've done is we've we've gone through this twice um, with a similar property, and I know how sound travels at night. And my point is, why should we say, okay, we'll let this thing go for a year, let the neighbors suffer for a year just to come back and say, hey, this is not right. Maybe we should go the other way and say, okay, you guys can, can do it once per month for six months. If we have no complaints, then we'll go ahead and, and open it up. But I think it should go that way rather than to give carte blanche on this thing on Friday and Saturday nights. Because once it's done, nothing gets done for at least six to eight, seven, eight months, and the neighbors suffer. And I know how sound travels because I've had a lot of experience in, in Webster Street where I've driven down there and listened to what's going on as much as five, six, seven, eight blocks away. So, you know, I cannot support um, any 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 motion that that. Uh, takes out the once per month, the staff recommendation. Everything else I can agree with. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Curtis. Board Member Hom. Thank you. I think I'm uh, in agreement with most of, first of all, I'm in agreement with the indoor and outdoor hours being the same. I think this uh, situation, I respect where staff is coming from. I think the situation here where you have a large brick buildings serving as a buffer uh, is a good noise mitigation. Uh, and out having the outdoor seating, outdoor hours and in indoor hours consistent, I don't think would be, you know, is basically conversation. Um, I think I think that's well buffered. Um, the outdoor amplified sound, I I think on one hand, I think one per once per month, is somewhat restrictive, especially if you're trying to set up a music program. But at the same time, I think allowing, you know, um, unlimited Friday and Saturdays is a little bit too much at the beginning. I think it needs to, as, uh, as Board Member Curtis says, I think it needs to be tested. 
Uh, I'm not as concerned about the music. I mean, it's something that needs to be concerned, but if we limit the amplified music to 8 p.m., I would be concerned about allowing it to go to nine. But 8 p.m. is still fairly early in the evening, and I'm open to allow amplified music, you know, for like two to four times a month, you know, like once a week or something on either Friday or Saturday, or if they want to do a Friday and Saturday, if there's a former that formed on two nights or something. But uh, I'm going to be a little bit more lenient on outdoor amplified sound only because the it, it needs to end by 8 p.m. And I think that's early enough for most people. So that's my feeling about it. I've, I, and also, I think it's absolutely wonderful use for this building. It's a perfect adaptive reuse of an old tire shop. And the brick building, I think, has a lot of architectural character. And I think uh, it lends itself to a very nice atmosphere for the, a community space like this. Thank you, Board Member Hum. Um, board Member Cisneros. Yeah, um, thank you um, to the public and everyone for their uh, input and fellow board members for their thoughts. Um, I agree with Board Member Hom's assessment um, and would even like to put that forward as a motion. Um, I, I like the indoor and outdoor operations. Um, I like the idea of having a scaled back uh, version of an outdoor amplified program, um, especially based on some of the public comments shared, um, yet wanting to be uh, um, inviting to this new venue um, and to this downtown space. So um, I'm not sure what the exact number is um, and what the exact compromise is, but whatever that is, I hope we could. <laughs> Um, identify that as a, as a board. Um, and in terms of some of the parking concerns, uh, I think there was the public comment about um, uh, suggesting more bike parking. So um, I definitely wanna support that and I appreciate the owner um, encouraging as much alternative um, transportation, like the lift ride uh, options, et cetera. So, um, with the, with that, um, those are, those are my comments. Thank you. Um, board member, Hom, um, do you have additional questions? Oh, sorry. Forgot to turn um, off my hand. How about board member Curtis? Do you have additional questions? I mean, comments? I do. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe once a month is 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 too strict and and maybe the four times a month i could i could support three times a month but nothing beyond that at the beginning so let me just revise what i said i said you know i couldn't support one you know anything other than once three times a month i could support but anything beyond that i could not thank you okay thank you um so Board member Ariza, I just want to. Do you have any comments? Or if not, it's okay. You're not forced to have. Um, well, I, I guess I would just say that I I agree with board member Teague about the indoor and outdoor hours matching, and and I'm definitely open to having amplified sound on Fridays and Saturdays. I think this is acceptable as far as 
those days having a little bit more activity um, until 8 p.m. I don't think it's a very late hour. So I don't see a problem with that. Thank you. Board member T. Uh, a question for my fellow board members is how long a trial period are you asking for? Three months, four months, six months? How long a trial period in order to increase the number of outdoor amplified sound days? Board member Curtis? I would say I would say six months. Board member Hong? Yeah, I, I was just about to suggest six months and then it gets reviewed. Okay, thank you. Um, so thank you um, board members for your comments and uh, to the applicants and um, your patience. And I have a few comments myself as well. Um, first, in terms of the operating hours, um, there is precedent um, of having differentiating operating hours between the outdoor and indoor space. Um, Forbidden Island is one where the, out the outdoor patio closes three hours ahead of um, of the indoor space and the, the customers are accustomed to that practice with nine o'clock, you pick up your food and you just go indoor. So it's a, nothing unusual where um, the Alamedans, we know that that's doable. Um, with that said, I am, I find that having them the same with the one hour difference is not, it's, it's acceptable um, in this particular location because you're not backed against residential um, units. So that's my thought on, on that. And um, I have a, and in, term, uh, in terms of outdoor amplifying sound question, I, I have another question for the um, staff. In, um, in the case of the Taylor Street lot, do we limit the duration of amplify sound? Not only the hours, but also the duration for each event. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. And, and we have that in our, our current conditions too. Um, okay. And uh, can you refresh my memory? What's the duration? Uh, so be limited to a total of three hours per day, plus mm -hmm. an additional one hour maximum for pre-event sound checks. And that will remain the same. Yes. So with that said, I can um, support what is on the screen right now, three months, three times per month for the first duration of um, six months as a trial period. Um, and I do have a few comments on the design. Um, one is that I am, I'm not seeing the uh, material or reference images on the brick material, as well as the mesh fence. Um, maybe I missed it. I did see, um, wood fans, so I would like um, the architect to work with the staff and to make sure that design is compatible with, with the, the neighborhood and that the brick material uh, matches the current brick on the building. So that would be one request. And second thing is I noticed that uh, there are two trees located in the current, um, the, the existing parking lot, as, asphalted parking lot that's to be demolished. And the two trees were annotated to being clay pots. Uh, if there's no environmental concerns, I would like to see those trees be put in the ground rather than in pots. So the tree actually have a chance to thrive and grow to 
um, a decent size rather than being constricted in, in the pot. So that's something I would like to see. Again, not knowing the exact extent and boundary of where the mediation line is, um, please um, work that out with the, with the staff. Okay, and then I also, in terms of the building, this has to do, I am not seeing a covered connection between the kitchen and the interior tap room besides throwing the, the trash room at the back of the added um, um, building, the, the toilet building that's that's you're adding to connect it. And so in any kind of weather event, consider your food service and connection between the kitchen and the tap room. Um, either you're gonna go outside in the rain or going through the trash room that's in the back. Um, Henry, if you have a plan, if you can, don't mind calling it up so that you can probably better assess that. So I just want you to reconsider that connection and make sure that it meets the health code requirements. Do you want me to bring up? Yeah, let's just bring up the plans. Let's take a look at okay. that. Because we are approving the design as well, right? Yes. Yes, this is a design review as well. Yep. Uh, President Ruiz, uh, yeah. while Henry's pulling up the plans, I do want to remind the board that at the 1030 mark, um, we need to call the question about whether to introduce uh, new items on the remainder of the agenda, okay. and also whether you want to extend the meeting past 11 o'clock. Um, oh. I would I would recommend that um, at the minimum, if you would allow uh, staff to do a staff communication just to talk about your next meeting, which is going to be the first hybrid, and I want to spend a, a, a minute or two on that. Okay. If if you decide not to move um, to to hear any other new items tonight. Um. Okay. So while Henry is pulling that up, um, I recommend closing this item and then um, allow staff to communicate about next meeting, and then um, all the other agenda items gets continued. <clears throat> I'm sorry, just been a very long day for me. President Ruiz, I also have to fairly soon take care of an urgent canine issue. <laughs> okay, understood. Okay, Henry, would you mind just calling up the plan? Uh, so we would need a motion, a second, and uh, just a roll call vote on on the meeting taking the item I, I want to take a continuing I, I move continuing all the items except for uh board communications or staff uh, staff communications staff communications and of course oral communications which we can't continue um because i don't think we could stop that right that needs correct to uh correct. and not take up new items other than that do we have second second Roll call vote, please. President Ruiz. Aye. Uh, Vice President Hom. Aye. Board members Ariza. Aye. Cisneros. Aye. Curtis. Aye. Uh, Sahaba. Aye. And Teague. Aye. And that motion carries unanimously. So as you can see, the only connection between the restaurant, the only indoor connection between the restaurant and the tab room, if food is to be served in the tab room, is through the back, through the back of um, back of house, and through this trash enclosure to the back. So I don't know the extent to 
indoor, is there another connection on the inside? I'm talking about in weather events. In the weather events, if it's raining outside, there's no cover walkway outside. There's no awning that's being proposed on the outside of this building. So if it rains outside, how is food going to be delivered from the restaurant to the tap room without going through the trash enclosure in the back? Just something to consider um, as you further develop the plan. So President Ruiz, are you suggesting that we uh, amend the design to say, please work with staff to yes. provide for cover delivery of food? In, in case of weather event, yeah. Yes. And that could be that could be like additional canopies um, coming out. Or, or however, you know, the interior layout is not the purview of this board. Mm -hmm. So I, I this is just pointing out as a courtesy. Okay. If you uh, want to add an awning, then yes, <laughs> I need to go through work with our staff. President Ruiz, uh, would you like the uh, architect to have a chance to respond? Of course. Yeah. Uh, thank you, President Ruiz. Um, yeah, so you're you're correct that there is not a covered walkway in between the restaurant building and the tap house. Um, however, there is indoor seating in the restaurant, and so that's um, it's not necessarily uh something that couldn't that couldn't occur uh, in other words you could have uh you could go in and sit in the restaurant and eat your meal there without having to walk in the rain um to to get to the tap house so uh, i think that our our thought was to try to uh, minimize the intervention with the existing buildings with regards to that um and, and that's why we chose not to make that connection um but your point's taken that that there may be some consideration that needs to be given to make sure that if food service is being provided from the restaurant to the top house that we would need to uh, provide some way to achieve that in weather events and and yeah. i think that uh, perhaps non-permanent um, canopies like the like the sails that we're showing for for solar protection could serve a similar pur purpose during the rainy season to allow for that to happen so we'll definitely work with staff on that yeah, I mean, I understand why you're not providing an awning from an architecture standpoint. It's just from a service standpoint, as if you're going to serve food in the tap room, if it rains, how are you going to get food there without going through the trash trash room, which I don't think the health code would let you do that. Correct. Yeah, no, and the, and the trash room is not intended as a as a as a viable option for delivering exactly. food. No, so that's, yeah. that's not the intention. Correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So with that said, do we have a motion at the table? I thought someone made a motion. For member Hong, maybe. For member Hong, I see you. Yeah, I, I could take a attempt at the motion because I took some notes down. So mm -hmm. I, I recommend that we... Uh, move forward with the, with the staff recommendation with the amendments as follows, that the outdoor and indoor hours 
match uh, so that Sunday through Thursday, operations till 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday till 11. And then with the amplified music, they're allowed three, three times per month on either Monday or Saturday until 8 p.m. And that- uh, Friday or Saturday. Friday or Saturday. Yeah, Friday or Saturday, three times per month. So your choice on whether you hold those three events on a Friday or a Saturday per month. And then also till 8 p.m. is the maximum to be reviewed uh, after six months, where I would say, you know, that review should include notices to all surrounding residents to allow them opportunity for feedback. And then um, some other conditions that, that uh, the chair recommended, which I agree with, uh, to the extent possible, the street trees planted in ground rather than in planters, investigate with staff the ability to provide a covered patio from the restaurant to the tap room for food service. And uh, just one question, and this is really for board member Sahiba about the masonry wall. Do you have a suggestion for that? I was just gonna suggest that um, the applicant work with staff as well to see if there's a way to make that masonry wall a bit more permeable. Okay, okay. Uh, so I'll add that as a final amendment. So that's my motion. I hope I caught everything. Um, did board member Han, thank you for um, providing the motion. Um, mm -hmm. Did you mention to work with the staff on, on the material of the brick as well as the fence, the mesh fence? Um, I, I'm, we could certainly add that in as another. Can you add that item. in? Because yes. I don't see that in the package. Yeah, yeah. Let's you. You know, consider that an added amendment. Thank you. Do we have a second? I'll second. Thank you, Board Member, member Curtis. Um, Alan, would you mind roll call vote, vote please? Sure, President Ruiz. Before the, before the roll call vote, um, Alan, would you, could you read what, what we said just so everybody's on the same page? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. So um, the motion is to uh, accept the staff recommendation with the exception that the uh, indoor and outdoor hours would match, which would be Sunday to Thursday uh, at 10 p.m., Friday, Saturday, ending at 11 p.m. Um, in terms of amplified sound, they're allowed three times per month, either on a Friday or Saturday. On Fridays, they'd be between, they'd be on the screen between 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, um, and I mentioned that's allowed up to three times per month. Um, in six months, not six months from tonight's approval, but really six months after the business has commenced, um, we would want to we would come back to the board for a review, and that um, we would go through the proper public noticing procedures, which hits residents. Um, uh, the standard would be hitting residents um, within three hundred feet of the site. Um, work with staff on um, planting the trees in the ground. Um, the final building plans would need to provide details for the brick and the mesh fence, uh, explore with staff a connection between the restaurant and the tap room, and then also um, work with staff to make the masonry wall more permeable. 
Did I capture well all that? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, roll call. Roll call okay. vote, uh, President Ruiz. Aye. Vice President Hawk. Aye. Board members Ariza. Aye. Cisneros. Aye. Uh, Curtis. Aye. Saheba. Aye. And uh, Board Member T. Aye. And that motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. So now we are going to uh, move directly to, we're not going to discuss board, item number 7C. We're going to go to um, oral communications, right? Because it's not, is it staff communications? Oh, yes. Staff yes. oral report. Um, agenda item number 9B. Yeah, 9B. So uh, I just may want to quickly uh, tell the board, I had previously sent an email to the board um, informing you that the uh, at the direction of the city council, city manager, and city clerk, um, the planning board will be uh, testing the city's hybrid meeting format. So at your next meeting on Monday, February 27th, um, please report to the city council chambers, as, as some of you did before the pandemic. Um, we ask that you arrive 20 minutes before 7 o'clock, so roughly at 6.40 to get used to the setting. Um, the city council chambers have now been retrofitted with uh, plexiglass, uh, plexiglass panels that separate each of your individual seats. Um, then the city clerk also has uh, two air filters that will be running during the meeting. Um, and I believe that during the pandemic, City Hall, our HVAC system has also been upgraded with, um, I would call it hospital grade air filtration system. Um, not, not enough for, to, to operate, uh, you know, surgery, but um, it's, it's a higher grade um, air filtration system. So those measures have been put in place to allow the uh, hybrid format to proceed. Um, as I have indicated before, um, board members are required to uh, be in attendance. Um, if you have a particular reason that you wanna uh, participate offsite, you do need to let staff know ahead of time so that we can uh, ag uh, agendize your location and also make that location available to the public. So for example, if you choose to participate at a nearby park, um, we need to identify that park as also being available to the public. Um, the, the logistics doesn't really make sense for you to participate remotely because if you have a laptop, you will also need to make the laptop available for the public. And we would need to post a notice at that remote location so that people know where to find you. So um, that's just the, the, the laws. Um, that's just state laws. Um, not, not, they're not rules set up by the city of Alameda. So um, mark the calendar, February 27th, we'll be, uh, we'll be seeing you in person at City Hall. Um, there is a training for staff. Um, that is uh, Thursday afternoon. So I will know more about the actual operation of the meeting. Um, and if there is more information, I will be sure to send, pass it on to the board. So um, for now, this is this is uh, all the information that I have. Um, and the idea that this is actually the first hybrid meeting that the city will uh, will be uh, testing, and this is 
um, so that, I mean, we're really the guinea pig so that we'll, we'll work out the kinks so that when the city council meets in March, um, it would be a, a smooth and seamless meeting. So um, nobody has to wear masks. Uh, I believe that is optional. I will I will find out more um, this Thursday when when I go through the training uh, offered by the city clerk. And one more thing, Alan, um, did you not notify everyone about the um, the bylaws and the format of agenda? Yes, thank you. So uh, at your next meeting, we will we will bring back the planning board bylaws because um, as part of our transition out of COVID-19 protocols, the city clerk wants to standardize the agendas for all boards and commissions. So there will be some changes in, um, in the agendas that are, uh, and, and that will require you to update the bylaws. So that'll be coming um, to you at your next meeting. And then just also a preview for the next agenda. Um, staff is coming uh, to you with uh, annual reports on various uh, policy documents, including journal plan, um, vision zero, uh, the CARP. Um, and then at that meeting, we'll kind of seek some direction for sort of the, the, the policy work plan for the rest of the calendar year. And then we'll also deal with some of the items that we were continued from tonight. Thank you very much. Um, with that said, good night. The meeting is adjourned. Thank good you. Night. See you in person at the next yeah. one. See you.